in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Chris, I want to introduce you uh, to some friends. This is uh, David and Marsha Wincott, Ronald and Celia Jeffries, Hiroki Tanaka, and Jessica and Friedrich Walden. Too many names to remember, but hi. <laughs> Do you find the being African-American as more advantage or disadvantage in the modern world? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Hey! Yomo, man. They were asking me about the African-American experience. Maybe you could take this one. Oh. Well, well. I find that the African-American experience for me has been, for the most part, very good. Although, I find it difficult to go into detail as I haven't had much a desire to leave the house in a while. <laughs> become such homebodies. Yes, 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 but even when you go into the city, I've just had no interest. The chores have become my sanctuary. Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! Yo! 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 Chill, man! Get out! Chill! Yeah, yo! Chill, man! Get out. No, it's not something Elaine Bennis exclaims before shoving Jerry Seinfeld. Nor is it what Arnold yells at you in an action-packed sci-fi thriller, at least not this time. In an exception to the rule, in this particular instance, Get Out is in reference to the almost Oscar winner directed by Jordan Peele from Key and Peele Infamy. I said, bitch. Greetings, lookers. Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part movie discussion one-part game show where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Just look for that red hen icon. And it seems like I left some kind of weird filter on, so I'm going to have to turn that off. Nope, not that one. Oh, no. <laughs> not that one. Oh, no. <laughs> there we go. That's so much worse than There I am. Okay. And our theme for Series 7 is Oscar Losers That Should Have Won, which, incidentally, is just in time for awards season in Hollywood. Um, so will Hollywood learn a valuable lesson? No, nobody ever learns, because that's Dallas. And today we'll be discussing Get Out 2017, which is a horror mystery thriller feature film um, now streaming nowhere for free. Oopsie-daisy and uh-oh spaghettios. 
Um, this one seems to have been dropped from the free streaming platform, uh, but it is available everywhere as a rental. So if you missed it this time and don't want to drop the three bucks, don't worry. When asked by our Red Hen Media correspondent, uh, when this movie will be available again, get out the movie actually responded. Like Arnold, I'll be back. Now get out. In retrospect, our correspondent had no business being in Get Out's personal bathroom. And on behalf of Red Hen Media, we're sorry. And I'm here with my distinguished co-hosts who are about to save the show, uh, who are likely already uh, laughing behind my back. So let's join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Howdy. Hey. What's up, Ben? Good to be back. Yeah. Series 7. With us today for Series 7 is the provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. The game is on. It is. A very dramatic game it is. <laughs> Good take. I like it. We're going to keep that one. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it in one. one. And my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. It's me, James. And, uh, you know, I I ended up watching this movie twice. And sometimes when you watch a movie more than once, you start to notice things that you didn't the first time around, you know. And this time I noticed that um, you remember when they're doing the like silent auction uh, scene? I recall that. (laughs) Yeah. How did that blind guy know when to hold up this paddle? <laughs> yeah. Now I have to watch it back then. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he had a Bluetooth in his ear. Nice. <laughs> look at look at me trying to like pave over the hole in the plot. Right. Yeah. Maybe he just held maybe he just held it up. Just the he whole just time. held it up the whole time. Yeah. I mean he just guy, counted. He had a counting system. I mean, the guy doing the doing the auctioning could have just told him any number. He wouldn't have known. I mean, he was doing it on his hands. The guy would never know. He could have That's really right. drug, drug, <laughs> drug that guy over the calls. We must get to the bottom of this in our discussion tonight. <laughs> and with us also... Oh, uh-oh. Pepe's got more oh, for geez. us. All right. Let's, all right no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. Get it all out of your system. <laughs> no wonder this movie time. lost, this lost the, the Oscars with plot holes like this. Uh, Jesus. Uh, Okay, now we're leaping Come ahead. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to it. Put a pin in it. We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get it all out. We'll get it out. Get out. Okay, and the irrepressible <laughs> gentleman, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. Hey, uh, and greetings, gentle listeners and friends. Welcome. And I am so excited to discuss this movie. Let's start off by checking today's headlines. Extra, extra. Okay, let's start with Mr. Devin Schwartz. Devin, did you find anything interesting in the news today? Yeah, I found something in, in sort of the, the small town periodicals. Uh, local deer survives near fatal car accident, says to officials, what did I do to deserve this? I'm not even one of the more racist deers. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. All right. I, I look forward to uh, the follow-up stories that are sure to... Uh, uh, come uh, to us in the next couple of articles. Uh, did you? What paper was that? The local, the local news, or was this a, a national? Oh yeah, story? it was like the the uh, Antebellum Times or something. I don't know. There you go, the Antebellum Times. Okay, <laughs> uh, they just earned my sub. <laughs> I need. I must but, know what happened. 
the, the Mason Dixon post. I'll, I'll be there for the trial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, and did you find anything interesting in the news today, Pepe? You know, I did. Um, I found I found a, a headline. <laughs> so a very odd review. Uh, so I'm very confused about this movie. <laughs> um, it, it reads, uh, Get Out movie delivers odd yet effective anti-smoking message, but sadly devoid of any deeper meaning. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this no. was definitely Pepe's film then. Okay, yeah. unless you're trying to throw us off. <laughs> I feel like you're fighting this too hard. Like you're trying to get that that second win here, maybe. Well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself now. All right, all right. Uh did you and what paper was that in? The uh uh that was in um uh that was in the the Joe Camel Times. There you go, right on the packet. It's like one of those fold out inserts you get right out of yeah. the, the carton they, of cigarettes. They gave it one cigarette butt. It's their That's lowest right. rating. One butt. Yeah, one, one, butt. one butt. They gave it one camel toe. Their lowest rating. Okay, or their highest rating. One. Uh, no, be, you want more. You want okay. more camels. You want you yeah. want more. Okay. Yeah. A whole cart. I mean, you want you, you want a Joe cart, camels apparently. Joe's camel toes. You All want right. at least two. Well, I up to four. It's a four. It's a. Well, how many toes do camels have? I guess two on each hoof. This so is eight? this sounds like a job for Google. Um, I I would say, yeah, like two, to two toes. On, uh, I mean, it's a hoof, isn't it? I guess. Do it's not a foot. But it looks like it, but it looks split like a toe or whatever. So yeah. I mean, yeah. well, yeah. yeah. It looks like a vagina. That's what I'm getting at. Oh man, I thought we were out of I thought we were climbing out of the better. <laughs> I thought we had done it. I thought we had made a left turn there. Apparently I made three lefts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jim, gentleman Jim Scott, what have you got for us this week uh in the news? Yeah, I found this uh, this clipping in the Examiner, and I, I but I did read it online, so it must be legit. Has contemporary, be. yes, must be. Contemporary black man still discovers that white wealthy liberal families are not like Leave It to Beaver. No. The darkest possible version <laughs> yeah. of the Leave It to Beaver philosophy. Yeah. It's almost like a, a Black Mirror episode or, or a Twilight Zone episode, which makes yeah. sense since I think Peel's in charge of that now or something. Yep. I think he, he does yep. the, the Twilight Zone, which has mixed reviews. But this one mm -hmm. has solid reviews. Um, but why don't we get to that in the rundown and find out a little bit more about Get Out. Hey, Jim, can I get a, um... <laughs> Hi. Hi. I need a rundown of your clients. Can you get that to me? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Our boss, Charles Miner, just demanded a rundown, and... Jim from the office just handed the dossier to Devin. So let's see what Devin has for us on Get Out. <laughs> so, Get Out is a 2017 horror mystery thriller film uh, written and directed by Jordan Peele. Um, and the synopsis, which on IMDb has a bit of a um, problematic phraseology, I'll read what it says and then I will correct it. Um, it says, a young African-American visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend, which is considered 
very bad to, to define someone by their race like that. It should be a young African-American man visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend, where his simmering uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. A very spoiler-free mm. synopsis for you. This is a very spoilable movie for those of you who haven't watched it. Sounds like it was written by that family that uh, tried to uh, <laughs> yeah. dot, dot, dot without uh, spoiler it's, alerting. It's an in-universe yeah. synopsis. Um, yes, exactly. There you go. It is uh, starring uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Kalu Kaluuya. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, who uh, is kind of a rising star. I mean, he's been in show business for a while, but he was mostly on TV and lately has been just everywhere. Um, he was in Black Panther as Wakabi. Uh, he was in Judas and the Black Messiah, um, Queen and Slim. He's He's been popping up everywhere, especially in recent years, um, especially after this movie. Uh, it also stars Allison Williams, who is famous mostly from Girls on HBO. Uh, Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener, the parents are, you know, obviously have been longtime actors. Uh, Caleb Landry Jones, who's the son. Um, you might recognize him from... Uh, X-Men First Class. He's Banshee, one who like screams in order to fly. Cool. Uh, and weird. And yeah. Um, Steven Root, Jim Hudson, the one who uh, is, uh, well, I don't know how to describe him, the blind guy. I'll say that without spoiling anything, uh, is obviously Milton from Office Space. Yeah, he's uh, great. He's in everything. Um, he's, in, he's also uh, yeah. one of the mains in... Um, HBO show uh, with that Saturday Night Live guy. Uh, it's just the name of the goddamn character, and I can't remember. It's an awesome show. Oh, uh, Barry? Yeah, Barry. Barry. I think I've lauded it on this show. Yeah, he's yeah, one yeah. of the mains in Barry. He's excellent in that. Uh, and then, obviously, the writer-director, Jordan Peele, uh, as alluded to earlier, is famous from uh, Key and Peele, his sketch comedy show. Uh, he was he got a start on Mad TV. Actually, his first role, I didn't even remember that this was a thing. He was in the Weird Al music video for White and Nerdy. Um, which is great. Ah. I, I knew I loved him from the moment I saw him because I loved that uh, song when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, has been in a ton of stuff, continues to direct a ton of stuff. Um, his second big horror uh, thing was the movie Us a couple of years ago. Uh, and he, I'm sure, plans to do many more things in this arena. Uh, I also wanted to call out that it was produced by Bloomhouse uh, Productions, which is a big horror production company. They got their start in 2007 with Paranormal Activity and have kind of mastered this sort of lower budget, um, but but feeling very high budget film. Um, the Purge was also them. Uh, Insidious, a, a ton of stuff. Basically, any good mm. horror movie probably in the last couple of years. I mean, I don't. I'm not a big fan of any most most any of these films. But uh, if you have liked a horror film in the last ten years, it was probably Bloomhouse. Uh, if if it was a popular one, at least I should say, not the indies. Nice. That's good um, to know. Uh, in terms of reviews, it got a 98% from the Tomatonomar. Yes. Excellent pronunciation. score of 86. Uh, didn't didn't uh, slouch in the awards department either. It did win an Oscar, uh, Best Original Screenplay, Jordan Peele. Okay, was also so nominated one, one for... Yeah, was nominated also for Best Picture of the Year, Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role, and Best Achievement in Directing. Uh, it also was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Screenplay and Best Leading Actor and was nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award. Uh, one, because we always call this one out because it's on the top of the list, uh, did win the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films USA Best Horror Film. Um, was nominated for a host of others. 
and yeah, a bunch of stuff. I mean, it, it was nominated or won at basically every awards show that year. It has a very long page of, of uh, awards. On the Lengthy resume. Okay, I'll give it a ring. Yeah. So I have to know, since this is Oscar losers who should have won, it lost for best picture. Uh, best picture, yeah. To, uh, to one second, I do have that page. Shape of Water. Oh, Shape of Water. Yeah. Okay. The Shape yeah. of Water, which I don't remember if I've seen or not, but I think maybe I have not. This is the Guillermo del Toro one about the deaf girl who falls in love with the fish man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I have seen Sorry. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some trivia. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya was given the uh, the lead role on the spot after nailing his audition. Uh, they said that in the scene where Kaluuya needs to cry, they only took about five takes, and every time he got one tear to fall from the same eye at the exact same second. Um, that, that might be apocryphal, but that is according to Jordan Peele. I wonder if he's method um, or which method. Yeah. He might have been maybe, drawing um, on a specific memory and just was able to just nail that every time. Interesting. I, I'm interested in the yeah. process, but we, there's no way to know without asking him. Uh, That's cool, though. Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele has done a ton of press on this movie. He did. Uh, there was like an interview with, um, I think, Vanity Fair they have on their YouTube page where he answers like tons of questions and stuff like he there's a lot of facts about this movie just because he's talked about it a lot. I noticed um, he also said that the title is a reference to uh, what he often hears black audiences shout at the screen while watching horror films, yelling at the characters. Mm. Yeah. Due to the success of the film, Jordan Peele became the first African-American writer, producer, and director to earn more than $100 million in a debut film. Um, nice. Chance the Rapper. Couldn't happen to so a impressed. nicer guy, too. Yeah, yeah. Before no, he was absolutely. super famous, uh, I heard a PBS interview with Key and Peele when their show was brand spanking new. And uh, they both came off as just such really genuine, genuinely nice people and very obviously extremely talented guys. Mm. Yeah. Um, Chance the Rapper was so impressed by the movie that he bought tickets at a certain Chicago movie theater so that people could see it for free. He just bought hundreds of tickets uh, so anyone could go in and watch it. Um, nice. L- Lil Rel Howery, who played the TSA agent and Chris's best friend, <laughs> he was great. Um, co- uh, said he's constantly recognized by TSA agents now um, since the movie was released. <laughs> I bet they're finally getting um, their acclaim. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the film took. Uh, 23 days to make, which is uh, sort of a, a, a famous number, especially in occult uh, things. I don't know if any of you have seen the number 23 starring Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. It's a weird movie. You know what um, I have? But it's sort of, there's a lot of like numerology and like, you know, cryptology stuff around the number 23, especially when it comes to like horror and other mystery thriller kind of stuff. Um, Eddie Murphy was originally cast to play Chris uh, in this film, but eventually was decided he was too old. And I do think it would be a very different movie. Although I do think Eddie Murphy can do some very good dramatic acting. Uh, I don't know if he would have been perfect for this role. Uh, and Jordan Peele directed the scene, uh, directed scenes in the movie while doing his famous impersonations of Tracy Morgan, Forrest Whitaker and Barack Obama. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that that's would just fun. be great. One day you just show up to set and Barack Obama's directing your movie. Well, if he did it, then I get to do it. watch out next Um, crew i work with (laughs) but that is uh that is it that is it for the rundown oh well that's interesting i think eddie murphy might have pulled me out of it and yeah fantastic rundown um but yes i do like eddie murphy's he might have surprised me and not though i don't know 
But uh, yeah, he has done, I think I like his dramatic acting more than his comedic acting in the last 20 years anyway. I think that's not really a contested point of view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I didn't read any uh, reviews or articles uh, or like watch any video essays on this one because I wanted to do the show first. Um, maybe. Or maybe I'm trying to pass off my laziness as integrity. But... Um, We'll see. Yeah, that's no, that's that's a no. You should. That's good. Okay. No, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I want, I, you know, because I I remember when this movie came out, and I was at the movie theater watching it. Yes. Um, I can't remember if it was opening weekend, but it was definitely pretty pretty quick. Uh, when it came out, and I had heard about it and everything, I'd read a few a things deal. after. Yeah, it was a very big deal in a in a lot of different ways. Um. I remember reading a few articles then afterwards, but just like you, Ben, this time around, I didn't, because we're in a, a little bit of, I would say a little bit different climate, not different, but some things have accelerated, you know? Um, and it it's would be interesting in seeing this movie through those eyes, but get our thoughts. And, hmm. and this being um, a movie that has, a lot of subtext about race relations in America. You oh, know, yes. it's not it's the all, most. It's all subtext, right? <clears throat> yeah, it's not the well. There, there's a different layers, but um, and it, it, that is not a comfortable thing to discuss. Subtext so definitely is rich. Getting, I'll correct myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But getting our own thoughts out there about yes, a topic exactly. that's not no, easy I to did, especially with. with this topic. Mm -hmm. I I didn't want to like bring in a bunch of outside opinions i'll just roll with it yeah. i will be curious it's one of those things that i that i almost wish i could have my cake and eat it too because i'm very curious what people are writing or saying about this film now and when it came out mm -hmm. um cool uh well i wish i could vote for you jim but you weren't you this we didn't choose uh from your submission because it was uh you weren't here uh last time yeah to work wasn't not, not yeah, your bad at all um so i wish i could totally... vote you but i can't <laughs> this totally would be a movie that i would submit for sure i would totally vote for you yeah so, yeah me too uh that said why don't we find out who done it then who done it we have reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission winner with the most correct guesses at the end of this series will win a Who Dundee Award. So, uh, I am going to guess Devin, not because I this is a typical fair for him. It's just because he was alive when it came out. <laughs> like maybe <laughs> oh man, you have seen it. Um, and I and and I know that it takes a long. It, I know that some of this stuff festers for me, like you know, decades. So I'm thinking that the rest of us will might have older movies that we've been mad about for a really long time. And this is like a fresh wound. So that's my guess. Also, Red Herring. Devin, was it you? Or was it dot, dot, <laughs> dot? <laughs> um, it's, uh, I, so I absolutely would have guessed Jim on this one also. Yeah, me too. Uh, being, being that it's horror, it's uh, kind of gruesome at times, uh, has stuff that definitely grosses me out so that's totally jim's mo that's that's kind of what he goes for but Ooh, i, uh, I, I guess 
the second most person who does that would be Pepe. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to go with him. And I guess he's, yeah, I think he was trying to throw us off earlier in the show. So seems to add to that as well. Yeah, that is suspicious. Pepe, we're looking at you. Who done I it? I know, I'm suspicious. Yeah. You are suspicious. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is a hard one. Um, since I can't guess myself, I have to choose between Ben and Devin. Um, and I could see either of them uh, picking this one. Um, and the fact that it came out within Devin's lifetime is a very strong argument for Devin. However, Devin also made a very strong argument against this movie by saying that it, that uh, like there is some blood in it. Um, so I don't know. I guess, I guess I'll just pick Ben because everybody else, well, this is like the, the, the standoff at the end of Reservoir Dogs. Everybody's pointing a gun at everyone else here. Or the end of that yeah. episode on The Office. But you wouldn't know that. I, I'm so glad I don't because I'd much <laughs> rather watch it's Reservoir a great Dogs. Scene. Much better than it's that so old good. Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah, right. Kidding. That shitty old Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> okay, Jim. Uh, you get to guess. We know it wasn't you, but you do get to guess uh, out of the three of us. So you get uh, you get to choose amongst three. Sure. Uh, so I don't think it is Pepe just because there's been an subtext he said he was surprised that the ratings means he mm -hmm. expected it to be lower if he didn't like it why would he submit it um yeah he was coming out of the gates like with the negativity yeah. there i felt so yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah you you just had to read it you had to read yeah. that between the yeah. lines unless you I mean, being a manipulative a 98 critic score on rotten tomatoes is pretty high uh, 98 yeah there's yeah, only two yeah. numbers higher than that well that, that that's 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 very true but you're you're suspicious so right. i'm gonna hold i'm gonna hold to that um i don't think it's you ben because i feel like in all of you know because you've watched litany of films I would probably pick something else i would imagine uh, and my read could be totally wrong on both of you this is just what i'm going with I think it was Devin. I think saying, you know, pre-show you had said you're a fan of Childish Bambino, same time as Community. Looking back on when Community came, yeah, that would be, this movie would be right for you then. Um, I think it's you, Devin. So that's what I'm going to go with. Tiebreaker is in. You're like the vice presidential vote in the Senate. Okay, huh. so. <laughs> since we don't have any cinemas, or uh, what's the other guy? What, or what's the mansions. guy from... What's that? Mansions? Yeah, cinemas or mansions. mansions. Yeah. Um, we have two votes for Mr. Devin Schwartz. So, a lot of uh, guilt is being thrown your way. Uh, it's time to come clean if you've done it or let us know if you're innocent, as the French say. Uh, well, this will be a little anticlimactic, but it was me. Oh, yeah! Right for one. No, that's, that's crazy. Uh, I, I should have known. <laughs> that is should've correct. Known. All right. Yeah, came out in your lifetime. <laughs> that was yeah, yep. that's a big deal. <laughs> like ninety minutes. And Cat right? wasn't here. Yep. If Cat was minutes. here, I would have been Cat a hundred percent. So. Yep. Locked in. Yeah. 
yeah. and we would have all been wrong again. So this the third we how many weeks in a row were we all wrong? Like at least two last series. Yeah, two, it was I unprecedented. Think. Yeah. In these unprecedented uh, times. Three, three really. Was it uh, three? It was, it wow. was mine, cats, and Pepe's film. We all uh, uh, wow. All right. So a couple well, points was on Christmas the board movies, there. So. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. The Christmas movies is a yeah, that's a weird one for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, well, now that we know why done it. No, now that we know who done it. <laughs> let me get my questions right. Read. The- <laughs> Oh boy, read the script. <laughs> now that we know who done it, it's time to ask why done it. Okay, Devin, how did you come up with Get Out? So uh, there are a lot of very good films that have been nominated for Oscars. Obviously, um, that's that's not a that's not a profound wow. statement. I okay. know. Ooh. Shocking. Uh, what, a, what a hot take. But how I wanted to sort of challenge myself in choosing a film was to find one that I think that the one that won did not deserve to win as much as the one I picked. You know, like I, I, I think it is better it than the serious. thing that actually did win. Yeah, like it, it should have really won. So, for instance, I one of the other ones, one of the first ones that jumped out at me was Inception, but it lost to The King's Speech, which is also a very good film. I think those both, mm-hmm. I, I think, equally deserve an Oscar, in my opinion. Um, Get Out, though, losing to Shape of Water. I also didn't see Shape of Water, but there's no fucking way it's better than this movie. There's no fucking way. Uh, it's, oh, I mean, it's a love story about a woman who falls in love with a fish and the fish is like ripped off from the Hellboy comics. It's like, it's literally the fish from the Hellboy comics. It is the fish from the Hellboy comics. And it's but the it's guy that always because he plays... Didn't have the rights. It's so weird. He always plays aliens because he's very tall and can act. So he always nailed, gets the... He was actually in a... A guy I went to high school with that I was actually at a TV pilot with is also a director, and he actually directed a, a film down, like an indie film down in Hollywood. He does camera work and stuff. Um, Scott. And um, he actually worked with the same guy on his movie that was about uh, people out in space. So, uh, But yeah, that guy's been in like a ton of stuff. I forget his name. Uh, he's in the current Star Trek film. He's like the captain, basically. Mm. Or not film, uh, the, the new show, uh, Discovery or whatever. Mm. Oh. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Shape of Water got six less on the tomato meter and got uh, 14 less on the audience score. So I feel okay. justified that okay. it was at least slightly with better. The numbers? Generally, it's hard to argue with numbers. Um, and, uh, yeah, we all know I, I the just, Academy's yeah. bias too. I mean, you know, and then yeah. they are always like constantly behind the curve trying to make up for film people they snubbed wrongfully before. And it just keeps paying forward again and again every year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this movie and also like, aside from that, it, it's just an incredible film. And like, I'm glad we're getting to talk about it because it was something that jumped out to me as like, incredibly good the first time I watched it. And as, as one I hadn't rewatched in a long time. Uh, mainly because actually I thought this wouldn't be a very like rewatchable movie. Like once you know the twist, I thought mm. it would kind of lose some of its sting. But actually re- on rewatching it, I, I enjoyed it just as much as the first time, if not more. Um, and I think the standout thing for me overall in this movie is the acting. I think every performance on screen in this movie is is unparalleled. It's so good, um, especially Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, I had seen yeah. this before once. But I had forgotten enough to where it was as if I had been watching it almost for the first time. Like I remembered certain elements, but um, 
the the you should have seen this by now if you're listening to this podcast. So spoiler alert, I guess. Um, the yeah, right. the the people the, it's kind of like a body snatcher type thing. The the they basically take people and take over their bodies with like a different person who wants to be like young and healthy again, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I yeah, totally that's, forgot that's that. I, I don't know how I forgot that main <laughs> point, but um, I knew they were like trying to like hypnotize them and like basically like mind fuck them or whatever. But I, I forgot the part well, the part where they were like free jacks or whatever. Have you guys ever heard of that uh, movie or seen that mm-hmm. movie Free Jack? Yeah, it was kind yeah, of a free jack scenario, right? So this movie yeah. was like it's a real free jack. It was like I have I have a list. So it's like free jack and then meet the parent <laughs> meet the parents. Meets guests uh, coming to dinner. Meets invasion of the body yep, snatchers. Guests who come. Yep, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've seen it. I mean, Devin's seen it. Pepe, uh, you've seen it. We've all seen it, right? Let's just get that out cleared. Up, uh, yeah. Up right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all seen it. All right. So one of the few uh, times where we've all seen the movie. Devin's really excited to talk about it. Um, Pepe, you are. I want to go to you because you had some things to say. So let's 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 hear it. Uh, well, I mean, I um, I think this is a I think this is a an okay movie. I guess that is what I will say. Um, I don't think it's great. I think um, I think it um, has good acting. I think that's probably the best part of it, um, and it has at least one very very good scene. Um, that is a real high watermark of the movie. Um, but I also think that um, it um, doesn't quite nail what it wants to be saying. I think it actually kind of undercuts itself uh, in a sort of in a little bit of a surprise. Okay, that way. begs the question, uh, what do you think that it's trying to say and maybe how did it fall short by in your yeah. estimation? Well, um, so I think this, I think on the face of it, the movie is about how basically like rich white people or white people in general have um, exploited the, the persons and bodies of black people um, throughout American history and, yes. beyond, and you know, beyond. Um, you'd, you'd think it'd be an undeniable fact, but uh, anyway, I digress. Right. Um, yeah, I think that is the, I think that is the sort of the text as like in the sense of text and subtext. I think the sort of subtext of it is, um, and I didn't quite pick this up the first time, but after talking with a friend of mine about it, he sort of clued me into it that it's that below that it is more about or it is it is about in addition to that cultural appropriation. Um, yes, definitely. And I think I think at the I think that's the point at which this movie doesn't quite get there. It seemed to me that that's what they were drives that home of all the, of all the wrongs that have been done to, uh, African-Americans, African-American people. Um, I'll self-correct there. Thank you, Devin. Um, of all the wrongs that have been done, I think they are trying to focus on like the contemporary thing that's happening in their in their culture right and that's the appropriation part so i did pick up on that um 
but what what do you i'm curious what you think where it kind of maybe fell short or whatever in that regard yeah well the reason i think it sort of stumbles there is because um there isn't a sort of in movie reason why these people are interested in like taking over the bodies of black people and there's actually a scene in the movie where um I forget the character's name. Uh, Chris asks the guy who is um, got to take over his body, like, why do you do this to black people? Yes. And that's sort of the movie's opportunity to, like, say why this is happening, why white people do this to black people. And he doesn't. He says, I don't care that you're black. I just want your body. And he says, hey, I want your eyes. Um, because he's blind, but that's sort of what the people in this movie want. They're older people that are gonna die, presumably, and are, you know, not young anymore, and they want young bodies. Yes. Um, and the and other so, guy said that, like, I think he said something like, black people are hip or in vogue yeah, or something. Yeah, right. Like black is in fashion. Black yeah. is in fashion. Yeah. There it is. Um, yeah, and so oh, I think, it, I think my, it could have spent yeah, I, I, I think hear you. Spend more you. time like exploring those, like those reasons. Sure, it's definitely talking about something you. that is happening, but isn't talking about why it's happening. Would you I, have I rather think... them said it, like had him say it there in dialogue, or perhaps like they might have done something to like show it, since we're talking about like a visual medium? Because it's yeah. almost like you don't want him to spoon feed you the subtext with some exposition dialogue that might have like broke some of the tension or just been like eye rolling or something. Yeah. Well, I think that to be honest, I don't, I don't think that the, I don't think that the movie gives any subtext at all, but that we can derive the subtext from the text. I think there's actually no subtext to this movie in itself. We sort of derive it. We know what it's, we know what the text is and we, and we can therefore figure out what the subtext is. But I don't think we figure that out by reading something in the movie. I mean, it's almost non-existent in the movie. I mean, it would like... You think, would um, have to almost have experienced life as an African-American person or even an African-American male, since that's who our main character is, to bring that, like key or that information those experiences to the table to really probably understand that what they're what the text is hinting at subtextually like we we may not have that subtext as an experience other than hearing about it am, am i am i right here am i wrong here i'm seeing some some looks well i think you're i think you're right but i also think that the movie um, I just, I feel like it is odd that the movie poses the question and then sort of fumbles the ball and it, and without, without some other further like indication of like, yeah, why are they picking on black people? Why not Latino people or I don't know, Filipino people or, or any other minority, um, group, um, 
Yeah, I just felt, Did felt they like explain it left that something the on the table. I thought there was some kind of explanation, and it might have gone over my head. Well, Devin, why don't you jump in? Yeah, there, there is a whole scene when he's talking uh, it, to the TV <clears throat> um, pre-op uh, where they kind of cut between all the reactions that the party guests give him. And so they have the one who says black is in fashion. They have the woman who's like very clearly sexually attracted to him because he's that's right. The montage. They have yeah. They have that one guy who's saying that like you know their place. You know things are the pendulum is swinging. That's the word he uses. The pendulum is swinging the other way, and that's that's different from the black is in fashion guy. Um, and so they give you like a number of reasons, and I think the point is that it, it's 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 all just about that like kind of romantization of of black bodies or exploiting black bodies thing, which is like. Which is now evolved in this new thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, a higher form of that, and that mm-hmm. they that there isn't one single reason. It's just like all of these like weird opinions that that old white people it, have about young black people. It's interesting though that none of those were like traditionally like racist opinions. They're almost like neo racist or something. Well, yeah. they're like bullshit woke liberal elite opinions yeah well, well that, maybe but maybe like they're saying the quiet part out loud or something or do you or do people really talk like that uh, no. I, I think some older liberals you would hear them say like black okay. is in fashion i think yeah, I, that yeah. sounds very realistic to well me. Uh, yeah i think that there are that some of those people are also express, expressing the idea that like this sort of like well, like the reason that you want to like keep black people away from the white women is because they were like super like, I don't know, like, u- like ultra virile. And they were just going to like, they were going to get you with their like hyper sexualized, whatever. It's nonsense. But they like, but that's part of what they say too. They're like, like, it's, like when that woman goes up to him and like feels him like a piece yeah, of Yeah, I remember meat, that. You know, yeah. and she's like, is it true? Is he better? You know, is it better? You know, and the. Yeah, so it's it's shit like that. Can um, I say something real quick? Devin, earlier you said you weren't sure if on the second watch it would be as entertaining. Yes, it was, because I at least knew what they were doing, that they were going to auction him in that silent auction later. I did remember that much. And so all of that leading up to it, I definitely saw it from the different angle, and it was really interesting uh, yeah. uh, for a second viewing in that sense. The, the movie does a really good job of of, like, tricking you into thinking other things are happening and that's a great like thriller thing where it's like you're sure that it's this thing and then it becomes like oh wait no it's going to be this thing oh no it's going to be this and then the thing it actually is is even more crazy and like it like descends so at first it's like so that was the okay, first viewing is... reaction that i had yeah. too yeah exactly, exactly. it's like a roller coaster yeah you start out thinking like this is going to be a weird movie about like uh, a black guy meeting some racist parents and then right. it's like uh, no, it's actually like some kind of weird, like they're like sec- like a sex cult, like his friend says. Like yep. that seems like they've definitely telegraphed that. And then you yep. get to the auction, you're like, oh no, this is like a slavery thing. These other black people are slaves. That's horrible. And then it's like a step worse. They are body snatching and like yeah, it just we went full like Black Mirror, upsetting. Twilight Zone. Um, but but I wanted to say back to the like sort of uh, cultural appropriation thing. I think that if there was a singular reason that all of these people wanted to become black people i think that it would seem a little too like cultish like they would seem almost cartoonishly evil like they're they all just want to have like big black anatomy <laughs> like if that's like all of them just want that and they're it's all a sex thing then it, it becomes almost too weird and them having all their own kind of reasons and and like almost realistic in a way that they all have their own desires for why they want this 
makes it seem like more unsettling because it's more grounded in reality. Like, yeah, they, they wouldn't, they're not all the same people. They all want different things. They just all happen to be getting it from the same place. And don't we already know that one of the unspoken things is like, Hey, um, black Americans, America doesn't care about you. So we can, you would be ripe to exploit in this sense. If, if you disappear, no one will look for you. No one will care. Like, yeah, isn't that, isn't in that like a small town and in, in like isn't that the truth like isn't that what we see on the yeah. nightly news you know when when yeah, uh the right. girl the the girl that got murdered which is terrible by her boyfriend or whatever disappeared i remember like all the you know cnn reporters and stuff were like oh uh yeah we're getting a lot of flack for not covering like two other stories where people of color went missing like last week and so they started covering those for a few weeks you know and so, you know, right there, that's evidence that um, there's a point to that, you know. So maybe that's another reason. Maybe that's yeah, and, a big reason. Yeah, and they also remind you early in the film with the, the scene with the police officer that, like, they, they establish, like, they are in a part of America where there's no authority. I mean, most of America is like this, but there's no authority figures that are going to come looking for him because, like, here are the cops in this area. They're obviously horrible. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Totally free to be taken. I think, well, one, I guess one thing that I will say is that I think that, um, I think that, I think that he really hits the mark when he's with the message of like exploiting black people, especially their like physicality. They're like them as people and them as like bodies. I think he mm -hmm. drops the ball when he, on the, uh, on the sort of like further idea of cultural appropriation, um, and I think, um, I think if, I, so this is the problem. Like, I can't imagine how this would have been done and not have been silly. And so I understand why it wasn't done. But like, if, so like, there are lots of scenes where Chris will go up to um, one of these people that's been taken over and there'll be, for instance, a difference in the way he talks from the way they talk. That's one of the big like identifiers that they are different. Yes. Um, but if one of those people had like tried to speak like him or tried to act like him or tried to, you know, act in a way that would be appropriate to their culture, um, I think then that message would have gotten across more strongly that not only is it there are these people that these, or I guess I should say, it is not just that these old people want young bodies, but they actually want to be black people. They want to be, they want to take on the entirety of that. They want to like subsume all of blackness into them. Like not only just their body, but their like way of yes, being. You're right. That is yeah, a point that they're, that they're making. Yeah. And, and I think that's a point he wants to make. And I think Definitely. that he doesn't quite, get there i think he drops the ball on that for the reasons that i have said so yeah i don't know i guess it always could have been stronger i felt like i got that from watching it though um so go ahead jim in in response to what to what you're and it's really interesting that you know we watch the same movie and come up with different you know understandings um and Fundamentally, like, and, and, I, and I'm not saying this in a way like, you know, you're wrong. No, it's just 
our understanding of the movie, we are definitely divided on this, um, Pepe. Um, I, I think that the movie is brilliant for what it sets out to do. Um, I do think that cultural appropriation is part of it as far as the societal subtext that Peel is pointing out. But I think that there's a lot more than just appropriation that he's talking about in uh, race relations between white liberal upper class and black Americans. Uh, and using that example um, that you had said, just to talk on that, just and uh, when Chris goes to the other black people and j- just to get kind of like a, a, a compass, right? Because he's in a very unfamiliar, unsettling, uncomfortable place, right? Meeting the parents and meeting all these people that are acting strange. So he reaches out to the other black people that he sees and they don't give him any comfort. But I think the larger take on that is as far as a societal message that white liberals only want to understand black Americans at the level that they're comfortable with. And that talk and those mannerisms that are acceptable to them. And that's kind of like the subtext. Yeah. Right. On the the white people's terms. Right. And the difference. And, and um, just to use an example um, of why I feel that there are a lot of different things going on. So starting with the beginning scene, you see Andre, right? They discover later that this man's Andre and he went missing. Yeah. And and he's in a white neighborhood. Um, it's almost like a judging, scary movie intro, or not a scary movie, but a scream it, intro. It, 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 yes, yeah. Uh, I do believe that Peel is a fan of a lot of ho- things horror. So, Devin, when you were saying that it makes you feel like it's going this direction and then it turns its heel, I think that those are premeditated and those Absolutely. are honoring tropes from other, you know, things. So, but the beginning scene is you see a black man in what you can determine to be a white neighborhood, suburban white neighborhood and it looks upper class just judging by the cars and the way the buildings are and the amount of land um you 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 know that that is available and there is nobody out there and so he's very uncomfortable and you don't see that a lot in current movies a lot of times you see the duck out of water the white person that's in an uncomfortable situation. So just off the cuff, like judgment night, you, you, you know, whether they're, they're, you know, um, and so to see it from a black experience is very interesting. The fact that he was nabbed in the middle of a neighborhood, right. Um, I, I believe, believe is a nod to the horror trope of isolation. Like, um, it, you know, you're not isolated in the woods. You're not out there somewhere with your cell phone at work. You're isolated around people. And that was very interesting. And nobody's around to help him, which I believe that's kind of a um, a poke at the behavior that a lot of families do in suburban neighborhoods, which is come home from work, open the garage door, 
go inside, close the garage door, watch TV, surf the internet, rinse and repeat, right? There's no social activity going on anymore. I believe that's a critique. He's making a critique there. Um, and that's just to give yeah, one example. Was there was nothing out there. Like it felt, you felt isolated, even though you were in a neighborhood. Sure. Yeah. Not, and he was, I, mean, I mean, he just was even withdraw the social aspect of it. I mean, just yeah. if you just stuck a camera out there, it felt isolated. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So much so that he could be kidnapped and sure. nobody raised an eye. There were no witnesses. Yep. That's a good point. I, I also think that w one of the explanations that he gives, and I think this is a choice that that um, Peel made, he it sort of in the direction of making it a more interesting film rather than than trying to hit all of the sort of commentary that he might have been aiming for, is that he indicates very strongly, or the, or the film indicates very strongly, that this process is is like sort of flawed, or at least in the way that the people who are being converted understand it are, um, the, the white people. Uh, because all of the ones who are converted are like subservient, like completely subservient. Like mm -hmm. they began as husbands and parents, and yet they're all servants. The mother and father, the the grandmother and father, become mm -hmm. servants. Would like, like I think that just... must be why I forgot that they were like body snatcher style, because they mm -hmm. were so subservient. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, that's whose also parents, an like, excellent and interesting take. Yeah, if you told mm -hmm. your parents, like, yeah, I'm going to give you eternal life, but you're going to be my maid and my gardener, I, I think most parents would say, no, nah, I'm good. I'd rather die. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think you'd want to, like, live your life as a, as essentially a slave. And then the husband who's converted, the, uh, the Andre, we see, he says one of his lines is, I've, I've found comfort in my chores or something like that. Yeah, he, yeah. He specifically I thought of that, that when out. you said that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's sort of indicating that this process is not, they don't have full control. And even if these people wanted to live that sort of black fantasy and, and fully become a black person, they wouldn't be able to because they are like reduced to this sort of uh, uh, like brain dead almost or, you know, like very base level uh, will, you know, and it's it's obviously very close to the surface because a flash of light converts them back and they, they get full control again. So they're well, not I, like completely. I don't controlled. know. I, th I think it's less that and more that just they're just saying, well, now you get what being black like the worst part of that can be like you're you wanted to be black like this is how society will try to cast you and then and therefore they've been cast so you know it's almost like yeah. if you told the story from their perspective that would be a twilight zone episode or something you know it's a, like a, a wake-up call right yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get the sense that they were acting as maids and groundskeepers no, they were they were they, just like, doing normally. their thing. Yeah, exactly. But it just kind of like, well, you know what? Let's. I wanted to go to. I have those scenes because they're great. They're all great parts of the movie. So, uh, each time he he talks to one of these people um, that are have I forget the word that they used for it, uh, chrysalis or something like that. Um, they had a word for it, but e each one that has had the procedure done. Um, I, I grabbed a clip because it's some of the best parts. The first one was in, so this was the, who he, who she says was the, what, the gardener or something. Um, the groundskeeper. Yeah. The groundskeeper. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they said they hired them on like for their parents, which we know later is because they're going to, the parents, the grandparents like body snatched them. So these, this is the grandpa basically. 
And he talks about the granddaughter now when you see it again, knowing in a very grandfatherly way he references her, which I thought was funny. What's up, man? They're working you good out here, huh? Nothing I don't want to be doing. Yeah. If I didn't get to meet you, actually up close, I'm Chris. I know who you are. She is lovely, isn't she? Rose? Here she is. One of a kind. Top of the line. A real doggone keeper. <laughs> right. Sorry about last night. What? My exercise. I didn't mean to scare you. Yeah. Yeah. And did it work? It will work. You were in Mrs. Armitage's office for quite some time. Oh, yeah. I guess I had too much of that wine last night. Can't really remember, so. <laughs> well, I should get back to work and mind my own business. So weird. Um, yeah, so, like, I, you see where it's, like, definitely, like, this is a granddad talking about his granddaughter um, in that grandfatherly way, but also, like, this total creep who's, like, kind of taunting this guy you know, with what's going to happen to him. And then uh, the grandma, she, she, um, that's when the like person who was taken over kind of tries to break through kind of more to Devin's point, right? Where the, the I think it like she start, a tear comes down her face or something. There's another crying scene that she did an excellent job. I'll play hers too because it's a good, uh, she's a good actor. Um, it also sounds like a grandma. And then later she's like mad, like at him. She, he tries to save her, you know, when he's going to drive away. And she, I think she comes to, and she's like, you messed up my house or something. Um, mm -hmm. which is something that a grandma might say if that's been her house for that many years or whatever, you know? Um, uh, anyway, here's her scene. Um, and it's interesting because you just, the way she, it's all on her shoulders as an actor to portray this correctly. And I think she does a fantastic job. I owe you an apology. How rude of me to have touched your belongings without asking. Oh, no, it's cool. I was just confused. Well, I can assure you there was no funny business. Allow me to explain. I lifted your cellular phone to wipe down the dresser, and it accidentally came undone. Yeah, I... I Rather than meddle with it further, I left it that way. How foolish of me. It's fine. I wasn't trying to snitch. Snitch? Rat you out. Tattletale. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't you worry about that. I can assure you. I don't answer to anyone. Right. 
I don't know, it's sometimes, but if there's too many white people, I get nervous, you know. you something that's not my experience not at all the armitages are so good to us they treat us like family cellular phone just stuff that like my grandma would say i'm sure yeah. um so that was good bit of acting and then you what you don't sees when she's laughing she's also crying at the same time which was this interesting balance between whoever they took their brain over is like trying to like get out some emotion or whatever oh i said get out i said the secret word <laughs> uh yeah i i it, this is a good time just to talk about the acting in general like it's it's incredible it's like it's it, that's the thing i noticed most rewatching the movie is how well especially knowing what's going to happen how well the sort of entire family are like, in, like so unsettling, but in a way that if you don't know what's happening, you wouldn't even like pick up on. You're just like, oh, it's just mm -hmm. weird, weird white people behavior. And then like the way they're all sort of examining him. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's something that like could happen if like they're not used to being around black people. Like, yeah, it all seems very realistic in in a way that is like only sold by the performances, like that, that they do such right. a good job of walking the line of like creepy in a very real way while mm -hmm. also being creepy in the way that they, they you know, it's creepy on first thing. watch, but you don't know why yeah. you really yeah. appreciate it the second time or when you hear it back or look back again and, and see what they're having to do as far as a balancing act and yeah, to carry absolutely. that that's what's going on. And I believed it. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously, uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, like his the crying scene where he's being hypnotized, like, you know, just like, it, what a hundred percent emotion on his face like yeah he's doing all the nonverbal acting that he possibly can in that scene um and yeah like even allison williams just being like totally playing her part like perfectly both both the actress playing her part and then the character playing her part um and doing that sort of like balancing act perfectly where like you even up until like almost the very end you are convinced that she's not in on it like that that yeah if there is something a great job on, of mm -hmm. yeah if eroding the girlfriend thing very subtly and slowly until that turn happens yeah and, that, and that's such a great turn where her she just goes straight face and she's like and she just has the keys oh, yeah it's like amazing. just don't oh, i'm a psychopath or a sociopath yeah. or both or whatever yeah and then, am i uh, am i using those terms right jim uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. As far as we know, I, yeah. I don't know if she's a psychopath or a sociopath, so yes. <laughs> yeah, something, something like that, where she can turn it on and off, and it's all, yeah, it's all an act. Uh, and, um, and what's cool is the the whole family has sort of different, like, different sort of archetypes in this like weird organization where like the the daughter has that very yeah very sociopathic sort of just flipping the switch on and off <clears throat> the father is sort of 
completely remorseless like he doesn't he doesn't he, he also plays his part very well it doesn't seem to he's very casual about it all it's very cavalier just like his attitude deer. toward all this horrible stuff yeah um Catherine keener the mom is very like seems very power hungry she's very into the control and like yeah her, she tells the mom what to do and she does the hypnotism she loves the power very clearly and then the son um, almost, I, I kind of got struck in rewatching it that he seemed almost remorseful. Like he's constantly drunk. He is very like confrontational in a way. That I think does not he's the out and out racist, Devin. And I think the reason why he's uncomfortable is be. he doesn't like that everyone's turning into black people. He hates that, that part of it. That's definitely possible. Yeah, that could be an interpretation. Huh. How I how I read it was maybe that he was remorseful because. Uh, like he's the one who has to do all these violent things and that he is confrontational with with chris in a way that like does not match their sort of act they're putting on and could scare him away which yeah. could also support your your idea that it's yeah and and i guess with the weird music he plays and the way he abducts them it does seem more likely um but yeah i wasn't totally sure yeah he's like the classic from the just, other family members just straight out conscientiously consciously i should say hateful yeah yeah um but yeah just incredible acting yeah very good acting um and might i just say that it's a good thing that hypnosis is bullshit uh or this sort of thing yeah. would actually be happening on a wide scale basis although uh oh pepe had a, a reaction there are you a hypnotherapist <laughs> sorry <laughs> no 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 i i think um i think that like um Horror movies that want to, uh, like hypnotism is often used in horror movies that need something supernatural to be happening, but don't want something supernatural to be happening. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And yes. so, and so they make, they make recourse to hypnotism. Yeah. Yes. They do that in Dracula, too. Hypnotism, mesmerism. Yeah, yeah so, but I think um, just to... So that clip, I think if that, and again, I can under, I can see why he didn't want to do it because if you have that actor acting like that old white man thinks that black people should be acting, you would have a scene that is probably funny and not weird and creepy. Mm -hmm. But it would, but I think if you were, to, if you were to find a way to do that in such a way that that would like rescue it from being like funny uh, and still keep it kind of keep that tone, then you would get that, um, that sort of like second level of where I think this movie wanted to be at, where it's like, okay, these people don't just want their bodies. They want their whole like essence. They want to be a black person. Uh, with all of that that brings along. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. That that's definitely what they're after. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, they're like celebrating uh, it, you know, it, it, especially in that like party, that weird party that turns into an auction, the secret auction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it was a viewing. <laughs> nice. oh, yeah, definitely. All those people were there just to just to, to see the fresh meat. Yeah. So they could hold up their bingo cards. You know, in secret. <laughs> you know, I was wondering, and I don't have any way to know this. Um, well, I guess if I read some interviews that maybe he stated it or not. But um, since, I mean, the only reason I think this is because um, 
is Jordan Peele is also a very funny and and uh, accomplished comedian. Um, I wonder if this script started as a kind of tongue-in-cheek comedy or like the concept at some point like was supposed to be some comedic movie and then it just it ended up evolving to serve better as a horror film like just a straight-up horror film and not have the tongue-in-cheek or something um i i just wondered that because he's so funny that like it's i don't know i don't know about him has anyone read anything about this where they might have some insight into that because it's such a it, from to go from comedy to horror like that is is not a typical career path i should say it's usually the other way even a lot of the trivia and stuff did mention that he is a huge fan of like classic horror and and did reference it a lot as as jim mentioned like I think Night of the Living Dead was he seemed even to know his like stuff, a at least. reference. Yeah. So uh, it seems like maybe he was somebody who was a big fan of horror movies, always wanted to do them, but did comedy as sort of a like fallback. Like he also discovered that he was funny. Um, and like his style of comedy. Oh, is, like is, he went the other way. Okay. That could yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's fairly deadpan with his comedy. Like I could see him. Yeah, being he is. A That's dramatic why I say person. that. Yes. Yeah. A lot of his so stuff that he does is funny because of how serious he takes it when he's in character like his yeah. characters are fully fleshed out and he stays in and and you believe mm -hmm. it and so the doing the leap to serious stuff is not such a a, a big thing for him i think yeah um but there's a yeah, lot of I, like I, comedy horrors or like you know even like evil dead is kind of like okay it's kind of silly but also fun so, like, I wonder if there was, like, a different tone at all in this or how it evolved. Just because it's such an interesting film and a unique film and a groundbreaking film in that sense. Like, mixing up, like, the trying to use the social issue as a subtext in a horror film. I don't, I can't really think of another one that's done it. Really? That's um, like every horror movie's done Really? That. Oh, well. Yeah, like, starting with Planet of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. so, I think the there's Caesar. a lot of there's a lot of horror movies that have uh so maybe that's it, a, a common thing. Well, it, why did he use the the a lot of times the subtext of of the fears the uh, of of the time and they make an allegory out of it. So, you know, stranger danger. You can see kind of like the horror movies that follow that example. Um you, you know the okay, the, the yeah 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 the the xenophobia of invasion of the body snatchers that even you know uh you live in a very crowded place and you know none of your neighbors you don't know anybody they're strangers to you even though you live literally in close proximity to all these people you don't know anyone well that you, keeps you, the you, genre you know fresh in that sense because you can constantly just reflect whatever is currently happening in society and you have and then you yeah, it, well, part of the pulse of horror is that it can draw out what it, what the societal ills or fears are at the time and put so it in a comedy. way to where you can... And so can comedy, too. So Closer I think they parallels rely on that. That I had come into this conversation thinking there were. Yeah, but, um, you, you know, and you are able to see them uh, on the screen. You, you know, obviously it takes it and puts it over here. You, you know, into an area of fancy to where you can uh, digest the horror and and, and um, be able to face your fears better. Uh, and, and just to use an example, they've talked about like during, you know, our current times right now with COVID, 
you know, and um, I remember seeing something about um, horror movies about disease. Why would you ever want to watch like Outbreak during a, t- uh, you know, a time where there's outbreak? But it, it it's like watching a plane benefits, crash movie on an airplane. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. But what benefits does that give the person that does that? And they talk about that. Like, I, I think that's a very serious. So what serious are thing. I'm sorry. I don't know, because I, I remember um, like during the beginning of the COVID thing uh, that that movie was making the rounds on Netflix. The one with yeah. um, what was it called? Outbreak, right? Is that is that Outbreak. Outbreak. Contagion, contagion was very. I remember they were making the rounds. People were talking about them on Facebook and stuff. I was like, I don't want to see that right now. But what are the benefits? Um, Yeah, yeah, the stand. Yeah, which I did watch because I'm a fan of that. That you are able to do, as I understand it, and what I can remember. Because sometimes when I watch videos, I'm yeah, no, that's all all there. Yeah, yeah. But from what I what I can remember is. It's a way to see your fears played out to the nth degree in some form or fashion. And you entertain, what would I do in that scenario? And it allows you to process more some of these fears that you were not processing that you keep here. The, you know, the anxiety of living in a world where there's, a, there's disease. And, you know, what do we do about that? Right. We're yeah. able to process that just by the very nature of spectating this film and then ruminating about it. It helps you sit in a better place. That that's at least my understanding of of the benefits. So extrapolate um, from that and apply it to this film then. So this would help in, someone who's maybe black and an American who is, has to deal with this our current society that this movie is reflecting. So, it helps them sort of do that same thing, maybe? I, I, I would say yes, but it also moves the needle and brings conversation forward about race relations. One of the criticisms and critiques that I, and why I say specifically white, wealthy, liberal, is the critique and the criticism from minority communities that I've read about. And I am not by no means an expert on all, you know, all things minority. Just this is just what I've read mm-hmm. is that uh, white wealthy liberals are often the side that says, I am anti-racist. I am this. I am that. Therefore, I'm a cavalier of some sort, a knight of some sort, parading this virtue, and I cannot be racist. Nothing yes. that I do is racist. Yes. And and, and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry, because talking about this is, I, I believe, kind of out, really out of the scope of discussing this movie. And, and the reason why is it draws so much in, and that in, in and of itself could fill up a whole podcast and we're touching on it because we're discussing this movie but um that whole and 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 with the polarization um the fact that along certain lines it's been designated that racism is bad and anti-racism is good therefore i am a good person therefore i am not anti-racist and an unwillingness or sometimes a blindness to looking at self. 
part do I play? And that critique has been leveled at just liberals in general, but I think a lot of times specifically at wealthy white liberals. Yeah, um, man, and it's funny of, you should say that. I, I was watching that that real world reunion thing and the same mm -hmm. girl who had like a confrontation with her black roommate that was a big deal back in like 93. Like she's, they're all like in their 50s now and they got them back together and she still couldn't see where she was wrong. Like she clearly like hadn't, it didn't click or she hadn't grown or whatever or like refused to listen when they rehashed the conversation they would watch it back and it ended up being kind of a big thing online people are like oh my god she's doing the exact thing that like white wealthy white liberals do she's like yeah i took an african yeah. dance class so therefore i can't be racist was one of her like arguments that she brought forth in this conversation it was like oh my god but yeah, I think I remember you mentioning about it, but uh, tying that into this movie, um, as far as people of color, you know, in, in this case, black Americans able to see a movie from a black filmmaker that mm -hmm. talks about some of the examples of their experience. It's, you know, it's the reason why you want to see the diversity of life, the diversity of society in movies, in books, so you can, so we all as, as a society can come better understand what it is like to be in someone else's shoes. Mm -hmm. And just a few of the, and so that's the conversation piece. Um, and, and, and it's also the way somebody can synthesize that there's somebody out there that get, gets our experience. You know what I mean? Um, but some of the examples that I seen was like the girlfriend reacting more towards what she deemed as being prejudice and discrimination more so than what uh, uh, Chris was doing. And the example with the police officer, she was in the police's policeman's face yeah. saying, that's not cool. That's not cool. And he was like, just kind of let it go. Another example was, when they were in the bedroom and she kept saying, can you believe my dad? He was doing this and this and this. Can you believe my yeah, mom? That, just, that is so racist. And, and he was, I'm not even tripping. Um, some yeah. of the things that some minority communities have come out and said is that's not even how we see the experience that is affecting us. She, but she was surprised. You, he wasn't though. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, yeah I, I could have told you that, you know, that this was yeah. how it would be. And I think that's a nod to another critique. And again, these are not easy things to discuss. No, but another they really aren't. critique it's that minority community communities have is that why are you reacting in such a way when the thing that is affecting us, not you, we are not acting that way which kind of lends to you don't understand us at all, even though you are parading our cause. Yeah. So, so I think it's some of that. I think I keep saying real quick. I keep saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not because I'm the arbiter of truth or something. This is just also things that I have heard. <clears throat> and I read a, mm. this book that was really popular like a year ago called white fragility. Uh, the subtitles mm. of mm -hmm. why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. And that fragility is exactly like the stuff I hear read about in the scenarios and this that happened in this book that they describe mm -hmm. 
are some of the same issues that you're describing. So that's why I'm agreeing with you because I've this is what I've also heard. Um, I wanted to mention that the, the scene with the cop is also very much calling out the white savior trope, which is something we've talked about mm. in the past um, oh. in other films where they, they're very much showing you a very classic horror trope, or, I mean, film trope in general, but it, it happens in like a lot of thrillers and horrors, like high drama mm -hmm. kind of things mm -hmm. where, uh, uh, yeah, where the, the white person is one who swoops in and saves the day, especially when it's minorities that are at risk. And so, yeah, it was very much calling it's, out that. And, it's also showcasing her privilege to be able to get in that cop's face and tell mm -hmm, him what yeah. for and not have her ass kicked or killed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happened in that scene. It was an important scene. It was a pretty good scene. Yeah. Um, and also I wanted to mention in terms of the tone, uh, just overall, um, I do know that there was one shift that happened in this movie. Did anybody else watch the alternate ending after the credits? Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. no, I missed that. So there's a so there's a second ending that that Jordan Peele talks over. He does voiceover explaining it, and basically the, it was the original ending of the film, in which the police car that shows up at the end is the police, and they get out with guns drawn, and it cuts to black, mm -hmm. um, and it very clearly implies. Or no, no, it doesn't cut to black. It cuts to a scene of of Chris in prison, um, being visited by his friend, and that was the original ending. And then Jordan, the, in the time it took to produce the film. Um, Jordan Peele saw a shift in society to a much like darker, much more like you know, we were openly talking about racism and like the conversation was like very uh, sort of dark. And so he was like, I don't want to make a movie that's just like a bummer. That's like hyper realistic at yeah. the end. I want to create a like something to kind of give people some breathing. You room. can I see I that exact the tone that he mm -hmm. landed on. You can see yeah, it. He wanted a more hopeful ending. Not, yeah. not sort of this interesting. Realistic I love that. Ending. I love that because but, it's it's good to I love getting concrete evidence of like showing someone's process of how some how a project evolved. That's great. Thanks for sharing. But that moment is so beautiful because it does still hinge with that societal impression. The moment they went you, with or you, the, you, the alternate ending? No, 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 no. With 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 the one they uh went with, it, it doesn't yeah. matter because yeah. it, it cut after you see the bubble lights, the blue and red. And you're already without, you know, because it takes a moment to reveal that that's his buddy or in the alternate ending that that's the police. But you feel you instantly recognize that blue and red. Oh, we're uncertain again. Something might happen, you know, and that is because of the reality of police brutality. And it definitely wasn't other a twist. things. Like, I think he mm. was like, wanted it to be a twist. And guess what? The the guy gets shot by the police really is almost what we would expect to have happen. Yeah. Not his buddies there to save his ass. That's and right. then And then you get the good American ending where it's like uh, super fulfilling or satisfying in that sense because it's kind of a happy ending, even though it's like a violent horror film, right? In, in that yeah. context yeah. of a horror movie, it was a happy ending. He got well, away. It's It's... It's happy insofar as you don't think too hard about what happens after the credits roll. It's the same thing that happened with uh, Training Day for me, where like I started thinking about it. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, there's still a bunch of dead white bodies with his fingerprints all over him and like, his DNA <laughs> everywhere, and there's no evidence. Yeah, so, like, it's happy in that you leave the theater <laughs> satisfied, right? Yeah, but, but, but on the way home, it's like, you he's might be still going to jail. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got some, I got some clips. Now I have to do two because I have both those clips you guys mentioned. Um, so here's the, uh, we, we heard the, oh no, we didn't hear this. 
Well, okay, I'll skip the one where she says she promises she it's too long of a clip. So she promises that her parents and family aren't racist in the mm -hmm. first scene when they're packing to go. She's sure. like, no, I didn't tell him you were black and they're not racist. Don't worry. He would have voted for Obama. He'll talk your ear off, whatever. And then after the like horrifying meetup, which was the part that I felt was like meet the parents or whatever, almost. Yeah. Um, then they're like upstairs, like after that meeting. So here, I'll play that clip. He was going to put you in a fucking headlock. What is his problem? He's never treated any of my boyfriends that way. Ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, and then my dad was a, my man stuff. My man, my man. I don't think he's ever heard that or said it, and now he just, it's all he says. Yep. Oh, and my mom being rude to Georgina? What the fuck was that about? That was so crazy. I mean, how are they different than that cop? That's the fucking bummer of it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything more you'd like to add? I told you so, like. Oh, I didn't want to say it, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, I didn't want to say that. I don't like being wrong. I've noticed that. But I am sorry. No, 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 wait, come here, come here, come here. I'm sorry, this sucks. What, why are you saying sorry? I brought you here, and I'm related to all of them. No, no it's fine. It's fine. Yeah? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Why are you so calm? Honestly, it's nothing. I like you and your racial flow, though. <laughs> Is this a racial flow? Racial flow. Am I flow. feeling a racial flow? Yeah, Um, so it was hard for he was like he seemed annoyed at her for like getting to this conclusion so late or something almost. Am I reading that? Uh, do you think correctly? Uh, I don't know if annoyed is the right term, but I'm like, not like, sure either. That's why I asked. There's yeah, something he's definitely there sort of smug about the fact that like, yeah, he, he knew they were going to be racist. These like, you know, affluent white people living out in the middle, you know, middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah, of course, they're going to have some racist tendencies. And he knew that from the start. And she was so denying it. Um, and so, yeah, he's sort of smug in, in his correctness. Uh, and also, I think that scene sort of points out a role, another role that her character plays of sort of being like a, a like a litmus test of how much his character is suspicious. Like she has to be supportive and on his side because she needs to know the instant he's suspicious mm -hmm. about she seems like shit going on. She seems like she felt yeah, like she messed absolutely. up and was like fishing to make sure she was saying the right things. Exactly. Yeah. Every time she's being supportive of him, that's all she's doing is yes. trying to make sure like you're still on board, right? You're not going to run away. And as soon as he does start to talk about running away, that's when she is like, I have to either hook him or we need to like move with this thing now, which makes the um, second watch very interesting as the, yeah. these tend to be when you have a big twist in the movies well, in a movie uh well there's so many levels and and i'm glad Devin, that you're bringing it back to this is also a horror movie you, you know and it plays itself magnificently uh, as far as her character the later reveals when he finds all the photos of all the the men and the one you know the woman Georgina, you know, who was Georgina, um, that she was with the fact that she can be this chameleon, 
You know, it's, it makes her character so sinister. Yeah. Because she yeah. seems so authentic. She's the scariest one. I was just going to say that. I think she might be the scariest one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, nod, but the nod that you're talking about, for some reason, it reminds me of a, this. Uh, I've seen this interview. And it was uh, Jamie Foxx and um, Samuel Jackson when they were coaching Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie Django. And um, you, you, and Leonardo DiCaprio had a very hard time using the N-word, you know, and as in that role that he was, he had to use it more than once. And so Jamie Foxx, you know, was saying, hey, you know, it's OK, you know, da, 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 you, you, you know, and, and Sam, Samuel Jackson was uh, basically, from what I remember, just do it, motherfucker. You know, you, you know, it, 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 you know, it's nice that you, you know, you're uncomfortable and all this but for us it's just tuesday uh and what he meant by that was we see this every day and you know in in forms small and big we're coming you know you're uncomfortable just let's just do this which i think ties in with this scene she's coming to this realization you know advocating you know these people are being rude to you these people are and he's like for me, it's just Tuesday, you, you know, in a way like I'm used to it. You know what I mean? And I'll navigate through this, too. Not that big of a deal. I, I think that's just the impression that I got from that scene. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, by the way, Jim, since since you're talking, um, I uh, also thought of House of a Thousand Corpses. Does that one? ring true for you house of a thousand corpses have you seen that one yeah oh uh, yeah i love rob zombie movies as yeah, dark and gritty as they are you go off the beaten path out in the middle of nowhere and there's just like a house full of uh, psychopath uh people that are out to kill you it was re- yeah. really a throwback to i think like the texas chainsaw massacre style of movie yep but um, those have eyes yeah 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 what but with to tie in what Devin was saying uh i think devin said it about living in the middle of nowhere was that you devin yeah yeah the odds that uh they're racist it goes up exponentially like the uh-huh. further into the boondocks they live i think and so the further like i was <laughs> like worried about them like how far like i was watching them like drive and i was like man they're really kind of like getting out there you know so this is like getting worse the further out in the boondocks they have to travel here and then the, yeah. and the guy said, the dad said when he was like giving him the, the tour, he was like, yep, the only place around is across the lake. We got it all to ourselves. I was like, you're still screwed, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Let me play this other clip uh, at the end since we talked about it, um, where the situation gets handled. Uh, the super fun American, Americanized ending rather than the dark, gritty, uh, would really happen believably ending. Because it's funny. I mean, I told you not to go in that house. (laughs) How you find me? I'm T.S. motherfucking A. We handle shit. That's what we do. 
consider this situation fucking handle. His buddy's B story is so much fun. Um, when he's oh, trying yeah. to tell the cops yeah. and like do the investigation, it's like don't, definitely like the comedic aspect uh, comes through there, and that's what I think that's really what made me wonder about like where the seeds of this film came from and how it evolved and stuff. Um, just because that yeah. B story was really funny, you know, and it had a, and it ended up kind of coming together and being funny at the end. Yeah. I, I just said, why do you think that um, that uh, Jordan Peele decided to? So, like, one of the only scenes in this movie where you see uh, all in one scene, primarily um, non-white people, is that scene where he's talking to the police uh, woman, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then she like invites in all of her friends, and they're also non-white. I think both of them mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And Memory then they served, just kind of, yeah. and then they just like laugh at him, and I, that also seems strange to me. Where it's like, you have this scene where it's like, uh, yeah, it just seemed I odd guess to me. Maybe because outside of the context of this film, that is completely crazy sounding and unbelievable. It yeah. sounds batshit. Yeah, I think that yeah, he Does wanted it to... because you have a photo. I mean, his story seemed pretty credible to me. He's if like if you walked into a police station and said, "Look, I have a picture of a person." that is missing and then they're just like hey bill come here look at this fucking guy well, he's crazy he specifically talks about it. he's turning him into sex slaves like he immediately goes to like this crazy oh. place like if you did that and you said he was abducted by aliens this is a photo on the mothership they'd be like yeah you're fucking crazy get out of here we don't care what you have a photo of you're you're talking bullshit and <laughs> that's i think that's not what he said that that isn't what he said well yeah but he said sex slaves which is like not he a did thing say that, the sex slaves like a, thing I, he yeah. went that yeah far. but he then had like a very credible story for like 99 percent of that and then was like i also have a picture and then he said he blew it maybe they're yeah. making them sex slaves yeah and then this police woman was like "Ah, eh, this guy's crazy even though he's got a picture of this guy that's missing and i could easily like find out is actually missing. maybe it, it's also maybe speaking to the fact that like people of color just don't get police attention in, in a positive way, no matter what, you know, maybe that yeah, was part of the so. joke, yeah. but I mean, it was, it definitely like the comedic aspect shown through there pretty well. Um, and, um, I, I, totally I, I, though you're, it seems like that didn't work for you. I did notice the tonal change there. I mean, I noted well, it at least. Yeah. I mean, I thought that the, um, I think I think movies like this can have funny parts to them, but I thought that the way that mm-hmm. they decided to do it in this movie didn't serve it very well. I kind of wish that they either made it a co- like more comedic or basically just like abandoned it altogether. Um, yeah, I, like I said, when I note something, that means I am conscious conscientious of it or conscious of it um, that there's a question mark there. Like, did that, did that work or not? So I'm curious to, to know if that worked for the rest of you or not, or if maybe he op- should have opted to just not have the comedic elements in there. 
Um, yeah, I think it, I think it worked because I think it's also having an understanding of both horror and comedy. Um, so with horror, to ratchet up the tension continuously with no break, there is a point to where audiences get numb and it doesn't work anymore. So just to have the comedic break as the tension is ratcheting up and then yeah. throwing these comedic breaks, it's to relieve some of that steam then the movie can continue. And it yeah. introduces that. I, I, I think that's why some of the horror comedies you know, that are specifically horror and comedy mm -hmm. um, work when they're they're well done is because they help in, in that very same way. So for me, it it worked. It was I, I thought the guy was funny, you know, his friend and um, it added another element to it. So I didn't know. It's true it. in dramas, too, that if you have a really, really dark moment, you tend mm -hmm. to throw in like just a surprise joke to just kind of bring mm -hmm. it up after that you know and and pick the audience back up again yeah, um it happens yeah. all the time i'm sure you guys yeah, yeah. notice it it's yeah. not news to you that that's a thing um but mm -hmm. the tone to take yeah just, it was more uh, advocate tone for thing. Thing. did the tone of it break because it was so different in tone it was like almost yeah, watching I, a scene from a different movie and i didn't judge it while i was watching it like oh this worked or didn't work but i didn't note it and it was enough if it made me note it, then something was there, you know, I at least noticed yeah, some, some difference. I think, I mean, I think Jim's right. I think that there are lots of, well, I guess I would say, first of all, I don't think that this is a horror comedy in the sense that like Shaun no. of the Dead is a horror comedy. Right. This no. is a horror, this is a horror movie with some comedic, comedic yep. things in it. Yeah. And the, the comedy that was in it was, funny that guy was funny he made me laugh oh definitely yeah but i but wasn't yeah, the same I think movie. it was a yeah it was just like how how are these two movies the same you know it almost like, reminded it was a me mm -hmm. problem. it reminded me of like so i married an axe murderer or something level of comedy uh, <laughs> you know like you mm -hmm. know how his buddy was like the police guy that was kind of the flunky or whatever but that was a, supposed to be a comedy right um mm -hmm. so i wonder i don't know it didn't bother me that much, but I'm not. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not surprised that it bothered you, Pepe, or that it might bother some people, because it was totally different enough that I noticed there was a difference. It yeah, didn't quite I think, seem I think like if it was they the had, same movie. It, I think if they had just done it, like if he had just like dialed down that character a little bit, you know, dialed it back, because he was like pretty cartoonish. If they wanted it to fit to feel like the same yeah. film, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still liked I, I it. And I laughed saying. and stuff, yeah. so I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, he's, he was a funny. Yeah, he it was, was funny. funny like you know, what are you gonna do? It, but it, I, I it know also, who Jordan Peele is, and I liked that aspect of it. But um, yeah, I take your point. I mean, it it you it could have been two different films. Yeah, the other point. thing about it that that especially after watching it a second time, it made me think like these two people wouldn't be friends. <laughs> you know, they're so different. Um, and we only ever see Chris in a, in a certain context where he's not... Maybe they're like you know, necessarily. Friends. Yeah, he's not necessarily free to be like completely himself necessarily. Yeah. But those, yeah. Two, those two guys <laughs> were so different. And like the few scenes in which we see them talking to one another always just ends with like Chris like annoyingly 
like hanging the phone up on his friend and just like, I'm so tired of your bullshit. Well, that's when, when you know you've when, been friends for a long time. Yeah. When, whenever uh, Chris tries to kind of lighten the mood for himself, you know, because it's unsettling, um, he reaches out to some of the other black people that he sees and they don't give yeah. him any relief. So no, he's just he tries tied tries. throughout. Yeah. But I think, you know, some of the things he says, like, what's up? You know, that very, you, you know, it feels a lot more relaxed. Eh, that relaxed part of Chris, maybe. But yeah, it, it is funny how he always hangs up on him or, you know, he's like, I'm done talking to you, basically. Especially when he made that comment about his girlfriend in the car. It was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh I mean, no, it ain't time for that. <laughs> I think that's the reason why I'm thinking, like, Jeffrey did this evolve out of being a comedy? You know, because, yeah. it, because it was so comedic at points, you know? Like, did yeah. is are those are these remnants of a comedy that, that once was that evolved into what we have now? I mean, well, I think I that's, to... that's why I keep like wondering, that, mm. you know, I want to ask him actually. And, and did, did, I don't know if anyone answered me. Did anyone, does anyone know about that specifically? I'll have to read um, up on it and see. Another tidbit from the trivia that I didn't mention was oh, okay. that actually Lil Rel Howery, who played Rod, his friend, uh, yeah. ad-libbed most of his lines. Uh, almost uh, all of it was, was him. So I think that kind of explains stand up or something. Cause he's fast. Uh, probably. Yeah. Um, and it, that probably explains why it didn't quite match the rest of the tone. Like maybe Jordan Peele had specific lines written that would have been much more in 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 with the tone. And Lil Rel Howery's lines were just so funny that they stuck with his. You know, they made, mm -hmm. made Jordan Peele laugh. He literally ended the movie on his line, right? Ah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was that. But that seems like maybe that was hit, uh, uh, written, but uh, yeah, yeah. That seemed like straight out of a Key and Peele sketch. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. definitely think that that this role was probably written for Jordan Peele or like, you know, he wrote it kind of as himself because he, he does strike me a lot like Jordan Peele and looks even looks kind of like him a similar build. You know, they're both kind of it's either his and... comedic stuff leaked into his horror movie or it evolved into a horror movie from a comedy. And I and I want to know mm -hmm. if you know, right into the show, Ben at redhandmedia.com. I'll also be <laughs> researching itself because I am curious about it. Um. I want to also keep it real that like sometimes with uh, critical reviews um, with for movies that include like social issues, they can skew as more favorable because critics don't want to be seen as being on the wrong side of the issues. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in this yeah. case, the, the movie, I, at least in my opinion, is really good and, and does deserve a high grade. But that also may explain why it's at 98 percent, which is an incredibly high grade on Rotten Tomatoes. What mm. did it get on? IMDb, did we cover that? It uh, must have been also pretty high. Yeah, 7.7. 7, that That's pretty good. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, I7s are on that is like a 90s movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Doesn't yeah, don't you the, find? Yeah. I think for the, the for some reason IMDb pulls from a much larger group. I don't know if they're just more popular, but uh, yeah, the IMDb like viewer score, there's 545,000 people who've rated it on IMDb. Rotten Tomato lists 50,000 plus. That's all they say. So probably a much smaller number for the audience there. Hmm. Still staggering to me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So That's nice to have like a that, good sample like that, to be honest. Because I've seen movies that are like indie films on there that'll like have three ratings and it's at like 100% or whatever, you know, and it's probably the guy's yeah. buddies or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, my mom thinks my movie's great. 100% <laughs> done. Well done. You did it. <laughs> 
That'd be my mom's review of whatever I, I do. Eventually. Um, <laughs> coming soon. My mom's review of my movie. Um, so I'll, I'll say this one last thing and you guys can get in your last uh, quips or whatever. The get out scene was the midpoint. I did Makes notice sense. that. Yeah, totally. When he's yeah. losing it in the camera flash and he starts, the real guy comes through for a second. Uh, yeah, that's your midpoint. Anything else mm. you guys want to say to wrap up the convo before we uh, go to grading and uh, take a commercial break? Just a quick um, note that the song in, in the beginning was, uh, well, I don't know the name of it, but it, it sounded like it was from the 1930s and it was like Run Rabbit when the guy got captured in that neighborhood. And that's, okay. got, some, that's got some pretty... I, I don't know, some connotations there, you, you, you know, especially yeah. since he got nabbed and then they played that song. And then at the end, uh, when you just played that scene where Rod saves him, mm -hmm. it was uh, a, a different type of song. And I don't want to like generalize things, but it did sound like, you know, that song would be more catered to like, or be one that would be done by a black musician. You, you know, so I think that was um, certain odds. As opposed you know. to the first song? Are you saying they're like yeah. bookends almost or opposite? Well, opposing? Yeah. Bookends. And they're, they are yeah, opposing. Yeah, yeah. Run, run Rabbit being one that is, I mean, when you are able to see the movie in all of its entirety, just using Rabbit and Run and after a black man gets nabbed in a neighborhood, it feels racially charged you know what i mean yeah racially oh, charged yeah. the use of yeah. language and song so i just want to point that out huh and i don't know really the song outside of the context of the film either but there may be a history mm -hmm. there i'm not sure interesting anything else guys before we wrap up the discussion well i alluded to it before but i just i think that scene with him and georgina is incredible and is like the centerpiece of this movie huh. um so good and is a, probably a perfect a perfect scene yeah and in the high water mark i think it's great so good definitely the uh uh best film clip that i would submit i wonder what they used they probably did use it or something which to be way. honest is a little too bad because it's not that scene kind of rests on her shoulders rather than um, on him even though he him, does carry yeah. a lot of good scenes that was the right, most yeah. impressive mm -hmm. bit yeah. The single most impressive piece of acting in the movie. I Out think, of many impressive that. pieces, it it, it stood yeah. above. It was good. And um, uh, credit to the actor who portrayed that. That That's a tough scene. He asked a lot of his actors and he got a lot out of them. So well done. Oh, and yeah. I'm very curious to see uh, his work moving forward other than, and I have been keeping up with the, the new Twilight Zone and, um, and, and other projects that he's been working on. Uh, including uh, really uh, good. he he did uh, that he, he's one of the voices not a main voice but he's kind of in that show big mouth as well on uh, netflix is one of the more recent projects he's done as well he um, he helped produce lovecraft country i believe i haven't heard of or seen yeah that. i think oh, so. no, lovecraft. Him is, that, is that amazon mm -hmm. what no one's it's hbo that's an hbo one so is that worth mm -hmm. watching sort of yeah, it's sort of like for like the the elevator pitch is like it's H.P. Lovecraft, but told through the lens of like 
black experiences in America. Yeah. So it's very similar to Get Out, but then with like an HP Lovecraft sort of lacquer yes. over the top. Really it reminds good. me of the the Watchmen, the HBO's Watchmen uh, take on the Watchmen. Did you guys watch mm-hmm. that? One? Uh, yeah, very similar. Very yeah, that was totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was super good. Um, I don't know if if Lovecraft Country is quite as good. I I really liked Watchmen, but um, yeah, the yeah, Watchmen is so pretty good. cool. I even liked I liked the Watchmen movie and I liked the Watchmen show and for different reasons. Oh, you like and that some movie? Of the same God, yeah, but it's a guilty pleasure because I don't even like that director outside of that movie. I really didn't like. I didn't like the Watchmen the first time I watched it. Um, uh, and then I read the comic and then I came back and watched the movie again and probably appreciated it. Um, mm. But I see why it didn't work yeah. for a lot of people. Um, I, I really like the show. I, I rem- Except for, I remember really not liking the last episode because they kind of do a deus ex machina like time travel thing, if I'm remembering correctly. Anyway, that's for another huh. discussion, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. When we cover <laughs> TV, we'll bring that yeah, one right. Cool. Uh, all right, guys. I think we have enough to settle on a grade for Get Out. Am I am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. And then in that case, take a breath, sit back, relax, and uh, because it's oh man, to... commercial. That's right. It's time to have a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsors. Friends, you got a stubborn stain that you can't get out. Get out. Suffering from a headache and you need your noisy kids to get out? Get out. Are you telling Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld an unbelievable anecdote and she responds by exclaiming, get out? Get out. Out is a product you'll want to get. If you get out, you won't regret it. (laughs) Nailing it. I'll even sing it. <laughs> out is a product you want to get. If you get out, you won't regret <laughs> it. <laughs> Disclaimer, if out is too expensive, you may be able to get in the generic aftermarket counterpart of out. <laughs> Remember, friends, Jeez. get out, because like the TSA, we handle shit. That's what we do. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> There's your commercial break. Oh, I forgot That's to take the sign over. Oh, well, fix it in post or not, whatever. Cool. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that and um, have now had time to tally up a grade. And we'll all go around and say what we thought about Get Out in terms of grading it is uh, is if Get Out was a student at our college. Our university. Let's not sell ourselves short here. Oh yeah, we're a, we're a degree granting institution, but yeah, yeah, no, totally <laughs> on par with like University of Phoenix Online at the very least. That's right. We're WASP accredited. <laughs> yeah, right. We paid off the right people and got that accreditation, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Look, we'll take your money just like any other school. That's right. Yep. Okay, uh, like the teacher gives Ralph in a fantasy, I'll give this movie an A because I can't give it an A+. Um, I actually liked it more on the second viewing that I did the first time I watched it. Um, I think I appreciated, like we talked about, the other aspects of it 
that once you know the, the twist, it's fun to kind of see it coming and see the subtle hints that were there uh, that you didn't catch the first time. So that was fun. And then the concept of the brain snatchers, somehow I forgot about that part. And man, did that make it a lot cooler uh, leading up to the end, especially when the grandma freaked out about him messing up her house and all that stuff. I love that. Um, so I uh, got to give this one an A. I'll agree with 98% of the reviewers on this one. Uh, Devin, what did you grade? Get out. Yeah, you know, I think I'm going to have to give this an A as well. Um, I do think there are legitimate complaints to to sort of point at this film, but I think overall I none of those sort of took me out of it. Um, and despite the sort of we, one thing we didn't even talk about, the gore in this, uh, particularly the hand-stabbing scene, which I think hand and eye stuff is always the worst for me. Uh, mouth stuff would be a close third, like teeth being yanked out and stuff is always sure. very upsetting. Yeah. But like, yeah, the way he like gets stabbed the in the hand and like, pushes into it oh god that that i almost couldn't watch that but despite that i still think it is uh incredible yeah the acting alone could carry this to an a i think but uh overall very good yeah and people always stab like cut their hands in movies this is a trope that i hate i'm gonna call this out right now people are always like they gotta like get some blood for some spell or bond or whatever they're doing and they cut their hand it's like dude you know how many tendons and like that's the last yeah. place you want to cut i mean maybe not the last yeah. so there's deep no good every place time. To cut. massive gaping wound on their you the you cut into hand. this like crazy yeah. like complicated structure here that's evolved over billions of years uh you're gonna mess it up permanently you're not just gonna walk yeah. away and be like tis but a flesh wound so stop doing the that back movies. of your hand the back of your hand would even be safer and like would get in the way a lot less because there's a lot of stuff, stuff going on it. here though yeah so having, having, a cut on your finger, having a cut on your finger is like the worst thing just imagine having a huge just like gash across i need blood for this spell let me permanently mess up my hand to get a little drop of yeah. blood that just never makes sense to me but they always do it they always go for the hand anyway personal personal issue i have okay james pepe are you going for the hand? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. We need um, some blood. Yeah, well, so, um, it's hard, well, I guess I would say, I want to give this movie either a B or a B plus. Um, and I don't know which. Um, but I think I'm going to uh, err on Listen the more generous side and think and give it a B plus because, uh, you know, Coming into rewatching this movie, I remember all of the sort of hype that was around this movie and how excited people were for it. Mm -hmm. And then I remember seeing it and sort of like not being that uh, all that affected by it, but real, but thinking that it was a good and that's a good movie. point. Sometimes your expectations get built up so much that you mm -hmm. it's hard to like yeah. live up to it. Yeah, I also I think I mean I don't want to rehash this whole conversation we just had, but I think that. It's it tries to do a lot of things. I don't think it excels at any one of them. I don't think it's a very good horror movie. I don't think it's a very funny comedy movie. Um, but like I said, I think that that one scene is incredible, and that the acting is well done, and that it is in general a what a very watchable and enjoyable good movie. Uh, and so I think a B plus. Okay, so to notch it up to an A, they would have need to address the issues that you brought up previously. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, there's, I don't think I will continue thinking about this movie m much after having watched it, even now having watched it twice, is except this, for maybe that one scene. Is this an important movie 
to the African-American community specifically? I don't know. I think it probably is. And I, I had the, I had similar. I suspect it would um, be too. I just don't want to. Yeah. I'm I'm almost positive it is. Right. Exactly. Um, I suspect it might be. Um, and so again, like my idea that maybe we don't even have the experiences to bring a lot of the subtext that they're referring to here from personal experiences that, um, that a person who lived that experience would bring to the table. So I think it might be even, you know, more important in that, in that sense. Um, but, um, Jim Scott, what do you think? Where did you land? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think this is an excellent movie. Um, I think this is important to, to black Americans, specifically black Americans that love horror and want to see themselves in it. You, you know, there's yeah, a whole documentary. Right? Yeah, it's not the just first that alone. Even killed. if the movie was not great, the representation yeah. there is important. Well, well, there there's a whole um, series, uh, a documentary series on was it Scream or um, uh, what's that? Uh, oh, Shutter. Shutter. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, a horror noir where black people are you you know and it's i i haven't watched any of them but from what i gather it's interviews with you know black people that have you know black actors and actresses that have been in horror movies tony todd and you know um etc because there is an exclusion except as the trope that you're one of the first ones killed or you know don't they even state that in scream or was that scary movie that they state that which was the Wayne's Brothers, by the way. Oh, uh, that's scary movie. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of tropes that were detailed in Scream. That's a well-known trope, even despite whether or not they said it in Scream. Yeah, but just scenes, a story told from a black filmmaker, you know, definitely I, th- I think it's important. I think uh, it was also important to start more conversation, you know, yes. about how we are in society and how we see things and how there can be differences and, 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 and how we see things. And yeah. those, those are noted, you, you, you know, uh, and I think it's a damn good horror movie. It builds on this uneasiness and dread without much happening. Right. You, you know, but you, you feel it, it's in the air and it just keeps going. Um, yeah. And it, I love Get Out in the same way I love Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Invaders from Mars, where things are not as they seem, but you don't know why. I love that type of horror. It's kind of a suspense movie in that sense. Yes. And so this one fit that bill. I remember seeing this movie more than once at the movie theater. I had brought people to watch it. I don't remember how many times I've seen the movie theater and then also seen it out of the movie theater. Um, I think this is a a great horror movie. So even in light uh, of all, what, Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I, I just, I just want to say, I give it an A. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. I was just going to add that in, in light of what's happened in society, even since this came out, I think that it was more impactful to me having been exposed to some things that have been going on that I maybe yeah. wasn't aware of in, in uh, to the level um that that we've actually now experienced through at least like the national media and stuff just at least being Mm -hmm. like uh exposed to to this stuff um 
So myself, like watching it again after that, since a few years has gone by, um, I think it was just more impactful in that sense. And maybe I empathized with it more. Or I was able to understand a bit more like where the movie was coming from. So I think mm -hmm. that's another reason why my grade probably went up from maybe in the Bs to an A range myself. Um, okay, yeah. so have I been blathering on long enough to give Devin time uh, enough to calculate a GPA? Uh, yeah, the GPA for Get Out is 3.83, putting it in an A-. minus. Oh. Not quite our favorite film of all time. Uh, it is only behind uh, Roma, which maintains that 3.88 spot. Ah, um, and then Silence of the Lambs and 12 Angry Men both tied for 3.86. Mm. Um, and then this coming in at 3.83. So our fourth favorite by that metric. Okay. So right up so there. a lot of yeah. similar stuff uh, with Roma. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Lambs, kind thematically. Of. Yeah. There's some definitely yeah. a lot of. Oh, yeah. There. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Cool. Um, okay. Well, that was Get Out. Um, now let's get on with rolling some <laughs> dice. <laughs> Always time to roll dice. You know, actually, right. when, I, when I was watching this, it reminded me of Roma explicitly when um, I think it was Georgina said, they treat us like family. And totally. that was a big thing uh, in Roma. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't remember which Right to the part where first. she had to leave the movie to go get dinner or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're treated like yeah, family until so. it's time time to serve again. Yeah. 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 Well well said. Um, okay, so Pepe, I believe you're rolling the dice tonight. Yeah. You're gonna find I out. Got, I got my special dice that has numbers on it, so I don't have to count pips in case I can't count to six. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Counting to six <laughs> is always a challenge. Yeah, this is uh, a rough one. As the evening uh goes on. <laughs> as harder the evening and harder. wears on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As you get deeper into the dungeon and into your yeah, cups. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so good, good on you. You came prepared, sir. Okay, cool. So we're gonna find out what we'll be watching next week for series seven, episode two. Um, so let me give you a sound cue, and we'll find out what the dice has in store for us. It's a one, so that means it's a one. A one means it's a one. Sometimes a, a one, one is just a one. A one. Sometimes Isn't that one what is uh, Freud said, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes a one is just a Sometimes one. Sometimes a one is just a one. <laughs> okay. Uh, number one, we will be watching a movie called Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Came out in 1964, which is directed by the one and only Stanley Kubrick. Uh, on and it's on HBO Max. Kubrick. I always say that wrong. <laughs> I will never get his name right. Thankfully, I'll never meet him and embarrass myself in that manner. <laughs> oh no, not thankfully. If only he was still alive. Rest in uh, peace, Kubrick. <laughs> Kubrick. Yeah. Exactly. I, don't know, I don't know how to say it either. Yeah. All right. So uh, join us next week for a bit of the classic Dr. Strangelove, which uh, was nominated but did not win an Academy Award for at least one category. Um, cool. Thank you for that. Dice and Pepe for rolling the dice. Um, fate has 
steered us towards our next episode. Healed. Yeah. Um, sh- time for some show business real quick. Um, so nothing really just, um, I have not gotten that email yet. I'm beginning to think my email is broken, but, um, keep trying. Estonia. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's let's hear from Estonia. Uh, you can write to Ben at redhenmedia.com and we may respond on the show. Let us know how we're doing. Did we do something wrong? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe? Um, and oh, are no. there? I can't believe I'm the enemy of this this episode <laughs> of all episodes. <laughs> no, what, not geez. at all. Not at all. What part <laughs> of parts did you like best? Uh, did you learn something new, or is this stuff old hat for you? Where are you listening from? Estonia, Japan. <laughs> yes. Let, tell us. Uh, any other questions or comments? Write to the show again. That's Ben at RedHenMedia.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, just a quick thing. Yeah, I, sure. I think. I think maybe emails are maybe they're passe. We could respond to comments in the comments section. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that bell icon. would do it, I guess. Smash uh, that like button. <laughs> Smash that like button. Uh, I would say uh, tweet at me, but I'm just never on Twitter. I mean, I'm kind of technically yeah. on there, but I don't follow it day to day. Um, so, yeah, if you want to dust off an email and right to the show one <laughs> perhaps one gen xer to another uh <laughs> go ahead and do that uh we're we're pushing grandparents age now so go ahead grandpa or grandma or whoever you are write in and talk to me all right speaking of uh grandpa <laughs> who's that just one more thing. You gotta oil that door, Ben. Grandpa Columbo so is here to tell us we have time for just one more thing, where each co-host shares something from outside of the show. Um, so it's I've had my uh aerial rider bike long enough now to say that I fucking love it and I look Yay. forward to riding it every day. And the all metal gearbox nice. keeps me all metal gearbox keeps me whizzing past the competition and um the reactions range from <laughs> anywhere between like uh, Karen level outrage for the bike existing at all to astonishment really? and wonder. Yeah, yeah, that's who doesn't me like too. it. Is it is it noisy or something? No, not at all. People, no, are people just, just hate bikes. People just thing. seem to like. I'll be on the path and I'll tell them I'm coming up, you know, so I don't scare them or whatever. And sometimes the look is just like, oh, that's really neat. Sometimes it's ambivalent, and sometimes they seem like they hate that it exists. But I love that it exists because the world looks pretty great from the back of my aerial rider. Uh, X52. They're just jealous of your gearbox. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're jealous of the all-metal gearbox. But uh, I, I just really enjoy taking it out and riding around, uh, mostly in the creeks and bike paths and stuff like that, which Runner Park has many of. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. And so I, I rode, I, after I finished prepping for the show, I went out on a ride for about an hour and... It was super fun and got some fresh air and a little bit of exercise when I wasn't using the throttle. And uh, don't tell my wife that uh, I wasn't pedaling. And um, and yeah, <laughs> so it's been great. And it looks like it can fly. So it feels like it can fly. So that's been nice. a fun thing for me. Yeah. I'm, su- I'm, su- I'm surprised you haven't encountered me on the creek pass. I, 
I come by. I, I sometimes I will. Yeah, no, I pedal past your place. I do. I see it from there, and I'm always like Jim's place. <laughs> oh <laughs> no, no, path. on the path. On, oh. the, on, the, on the path. Do you I'm walk there every path? once in a while? Uh, yeah, walk and you, walk you know, past, Jim? all right, man. Smoke recreationally, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I do yeah. catch a whiff <laughs> of, of uh, the marijuana. <laughs> On the bike yep. path, uh, not not only in that area, but up and down. Yeah, that seems to be a, a place right. where people go to do that. That's like why bike paths were invented, I think. I think so, and yeah. People were just like, we got to come up. This can't be just the pot path. We have to come up with some other name. Yeah, people ride bikes. For, for, the, for the squares. Ah, bike path. People bike, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep, the squares buy that. They buy it right <laughs> yeah, up. The, yeah, the squares. Fuck. $50 an eighth. If the squares buy it up. <laughs> <laughs> bike path. Selling bike path here. <laughs> yeah, no, but path. I do, Jim. I do go by your place uh, and to see if you're out there, so I can show off my bike. But you have yet to be out there, so we just uh, eventually that's going to happen. I want it to be a surprise. I don't want to be like, Jim, I'm coming by. I want to, I want right, to just right. catch you and be like, all metal gearbox, and just yep. kind of like, you know, be the red streak that whizzes past. Yeah, I look forward to that. I look forward to impressing you with the mic. That's all I'm saying. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, Mr. Devin Schwartz, what have you got for us this week on Just One More Thing? Uh, so I've brought a video game this week, uh, something Excellent. I've been dabbling with. Um, it is called Phantom Abyss. Um, it's uh, made by an indie studio published by Devolver, um, great uh, indie publisher. Um it is a sort of a strange game, um, very unique. It is a roguelike game. The, you, you do not, your progress does not transfer over run to run. You attempt the thing. If you fail, you die, you start over. Um, and you're, it's a pl platformer, uh, sort of a puzzle platformer. You're just jumping on stuff. And your only form of conveyance other than running and jumping is a uh, lasso or, or a whip. Um, very Indiana Jones style. You can like stick to walls basically and pull yourself. Um, that's that's not Indiana Jones style. I mean, the, the whip itself is, but uh, he he can't use it in quite the. Uh, I believe in he can do that way. if he wanted yeah. to. He just doesn't <laughs> want to show off. His, it's too vulgar a display of power <laughs> for Doctor Jones. Yeah, um, but uh, the the other sort of hook to it is like it's a very fun game just on on the head of it. But each level is procedurally generated. And uh, each level is only completed once. It can only be beaten once, and then it is it is deleted. That 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 procedural generation will never exist again. Um, and each time someone dies trying to beat that run, their phantom will be in the run for you. So each person gets one attempt at each possible generated level, and uh, if they die, their ghost will then do whatever they did. So when you load into a level, it'll say, you know, forty-seven people have fallen to this temple. And as you start, you see all of them, their phantoms running in exactly what they did. And so you can kind of learn from their mistakes is the idea of it. And then if you are the one who finally beats it, that level is then deleted. No one else gets to run it or see those. Oh, so that's interesting. That. It kind of yeah. reminds me um, of uh, Mario Maker. Super Mario Maker 2 is the similar, one I'm familiar with. Yeah, and that you can see notes that, and other people that have run it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And except that in this, it is, uh, they, they are procedurally, you know, a computer has created them. Yes, um, right, there's, right, right, right. There's no combat or enemies. It's just the levels themselves are very hostile. They have traps and pitfalls and all kinds of things. It is very reminiscent of Pitfall, the old 
um, Atari Atari. Team? Oh my yeah. God. Yes. Pitfall. Where oh my you God. Just go with the whip and, I'm yeah. so uh, old. Classic. Let's play I'm so old. I'm so old that I owned an Atari and I owned that game back in the 80s and actually did yes. play it. Nice. Yeah. High five, Ben. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Gen X uh, Unite. Yeah. Phantom Abyss, if you're into puzzle platformers or roguelikes or just cool concepts. Cool, man. Thanks for sharing. All right. Uh, James Pepe. I would like to recommend yet another YouTube video. Um, so if so, I'm probably a little late to the show, but the um, Andrew Callahan, I think I'm saying his name right. The guy who did All Gas, No Breaks has a new channel called Channel 5 with Andrew Callahan. Um, and I guess he started this because um being like a like being categorized as a news channel gives him you know more certain access privileges or something certain privileges yeah i know it does he's, he's Facebook, now part of because i have one of those yeah yeah um but he recently posted um a about a 45 minute long interview with the q shaman who you might remember um from, oh. from prison. Oh, uh, yeah. man, weird. Yeah. So yeah, I okay, would, you just um, piqued my curiosity. Yeah, I would suggest going and watching that, and it's just called Q Shaman Prison Interview. And like Super I said, the, easy to find. The channel's Channel 5 with Andrew Callahan, um, and it's the All Gas, No Breaks guy. Uh, yeah, so that's Neat. what I would recommend. Yeah, <laughs> worth a watch, timely. <clears throat> it is worth a watch. The thing, well... I don't want to go on too long about it, but the thing that sort of strikes me is how sort of fluidly the guy, I guess his name is uh, Jake, sort of is able to go from seeming like a completely normal, reasonable person who you'd never think twice about if you were just talking to, to like a completely cuckoo bananas guy. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not because he's not mentally ill, really, either. He's not, like... That's the scary he, thing about the whole Q thing, is it, is how many, quote, normal people it, it, yes. it, it, it netted. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think... I think he is in full possession of his rational faculties. Um, and I think that... Um, I mean, he he's obviously in some ways complicit in the things that he has done, and I'm not, I, I am not, and would not make excuses for him. But I also think something has been perpetrated upon him that is not, yes, something has been done to him, um, yes. that he is suffering, and you can you get you really get a, and just being able to, just being able to get, hear him talk outside of you know, the sort of legacy media um, is is worthwhile. So It's a good point. I haven't been exposed to anything uh, that he has said. In fact, it's just sound clips that I don't think any of them have actually interviewed him. They just talk about him a lot and show him in the clips. Um, so yeah, it would I be mean, interesting that's the other... to see that outside of the mainstream media bubble. Yeah, it's what the other you. thing that, that just surprised me watching it was like this guy, the all gas, no brakes guy. He look he looks like, I mean, he obviously has sort of like a brand that he's selling, but it's, it's odd to see. It's like, this used to just be the news. Why do we need this 
guy now to like do what like actual news should mm. be doing. That's a whole other conversation um, that I'd love to have. I think yeah, journalism um, is just oh my god, it's scary. Yes, and it's, yeah, it's, it's culpable it's for what's going way. on in this country politically as any other factor. They're just yeah. as culpable, if not more so. But yeah, yeah, so I take your point on that. Okay, Jim Scott, what have you got for us this week on just one more thing? Um, so I revisited um a uh he's I think I think he's a New York. Uh, uh, New York State professor. A anyways, um, Jonathan Haidt, he's a sociologist. He's wrote several books. All of them seem interesting. Uh, my exposure is seeing him in video format, giving lectures at various colleges. But there is a, uh, whether you read it or watch it on YouTube, um, there, uh, he talks about the concepts in his book coddling of the american mind and it's got meat on the bone it is not a, a, an easy subject to kind of I, I don't think anyways to look at much like um the movie we just reviewed that's why i picked it but basically it's about the gen zers and, you know, uh, and the fact that they have grown up at an age where social media is in your hands mm -hmm. at a young age. Mm -hmm. And what impact that has had on those young people. Sure. And uh, the, um, what is it, etymology? The, the beginning of the seed of the ideal was, because he collaborated this book with Greg Luganoff, uh, but the seed of this ideal uh, was what was going on in college campuses with the call-out culture, calling out certain things, calling out certain ideals as dangerous to us or dangerous to others, and how that phenomenon uh, that has been seen in a lot of different places, a lot of different college campuses, had has kind of led to, an, uh, at least his understanding and his um evidence uh evidence the understanding of the evidence that he brings to the table of why that is and it's very interesting and it paints a dark picture about the future of our kids and one of the examples i'll use uh he uses so i'll use it here because he talks directly to gen zers um is that it is always, or or should be, I guess, uh, so it'd be more of an imperative, um, our role to make it better for the generation after us. He doesn't use better, he uses more freedom. Freedom of choices that you, you know, uh, freedom of, of, of having critical thinking to liberate you above. And how we are in a very, I mean, with the coronavirus, so many things are bad. And so maybe this might not be the right thing to, to watch or learn about right now because we have so much to deal with. But how if we don't change these things um, as far as how our youth uh, consume social media, we're in a very dangerous place. And there's a lot of evidence yeah. to support that. And he brings a lot of different things to bear that we have seen in the culture the years previous. 
So you can you can almost track this with him as we've seen trends, and he brings it to make a a statement. Okay, um, and it's a it's it's a very strong statement about the impact of social media on developing minds. And he uses some examples of men the mental health issues of anxiety and depression, how, how they have really ratcheted up um, in the younger generation. Um, and he, he talks about suicide rates and how they've really ratcheted up among the younger generation. So this is not uh, something that doesn't have any any evidence or it's just a blanket kind of uh and it, it's interesting to watch so once again coddling of the american mind by jonathan height is a sociologist he does have an emphasis i can't remember what his emphasis is i think it's moral sociology but uh, i could be mistaken that so well fascinating stuff uh and timely i'll have to check it out it almost reminds me of uh like a malcolm gladwell type of book or something Yes, in fact, Y two ninety or whatever. It's another intellectual um, YouTube thing. Y two K, not Y two K, because that was something else. Malcolm Gladwell was the moderator that interviewed him. Oh, there you go, Greg Luganoff, and um, another um, lady who had also wrote a book that was kind of tangential to this discussion. So cool, good cool. stuff. Well, don't I feel smart? Um, yeah, uh -huh. so I'll definitely check that out. No, it sounds great. Thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, guys, let's, uh, wrap this thing up so Devin can get out of here. Yeah. Um, we can get out. We can get out. <laughs> Devin, it's time for you to get out. Now exactly. That. How did I miss that? Damn it. <laughs> print, print, put it in the can. <laughs> I'll miss you most of all. All right, Devin, I need I know you need to get out. Yeah, I even flubbed that line. All right, forget <laughs> it. Oh man. You can just go. All right, bye, Devin. <laughs> Devin, do your outro. It's oh, too sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I've been Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz One on Twitter and game over, man. Game over. Game over indeed. All right. Now get out there. I finally nailed it. All right. James Pepe. Yes, I uh, am and have been James Pepe. Um, thank you. Oh, wow. He really did left. He really did left. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Man. Okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for coming and uh, either watching or listening. And hope to see you back uh, next week uh, for a way better movie than this. Uh oh! Whoa. Oh no! That's breaking the rules because he left. He can't defend himself. Oh well. Yeah, oh, take that, well, Devin. We forgot to ask. Uh, <laughs> we forgot to ask Jim about um, what he thought about um, Bad Santa, but we'll we'll oh, put yeah. a pin in that. Jim, if you haven't watched Bad Santa, watch it because we really need to get your opinion in grade next week. This just reminds me. Of oh really? I yeah, didn't know you. You're the tiger. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. It just it just. Uh, I just reminded myself. It got uh, out of his mind. Yeah, exactly. I'll have it ready. I have it ready for next week. We could do it on the show if you want. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to ask okay. you on the show because you didn't sure. get to, to do your grade and all that. So next time we'll sure. we'll do two grades for you. Anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead and do your outro as well, though. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Jim Scott. Uh, I I appreciate general listeners and friends. Uh, you folks tuning in. 
And uh, if you like to send an email, uh, you know, uh, about the movie we just discussed, I'd love to see, like, did you have a different, you know, opinion about about the movie do you think some of the assertions and things that we said are are in error yeah definitely yep, comment yep. us this is a rich discussion that is does not have a start and a finish it's an ongoing type of thing so excellent point yeah um tell us where we're wrong and reopen uh, old wounds please do <laughs> send us those emails and uh yeah we're just the show's like falling we're like in an airplane now that's like falling apart and we have to land this sucker <laughs> so uh this has been i'll look at yours if you look at mine and now that you've looked at ours we hope to look at yours soon if you enjoyed the show smash that like button like comment subscribe yeah, ring the bell it. give us a five-star review dot your eyes cross your t's sign here initial here and don't forget to tell your friends and now that the show is over i'll leave you with this parting sentiment Get out. <laughs> nice. And remember to watch Doctor Strangelove for next week's show. Uh, came out in 1964, now streaming on HBO Max. Join us for that. Until next time, lookers, keep on looking. <laughs>